Sly and Kurt dominate mediocrity. Jim Carrey wrestles with stardom, and Robert Downey Jr. deduces a new character. This week on 302010. 302010. Three decades, every show, sometimes I still see it. If any of 302010, the uh, Laser Time Network's pop culture time machine each week, taking you back three decades into the past uh, of the same week. This week being December 20th to the 26th, we'll be talking about all of the new releases that came out in that week period in 1989, 1999, and 2009. It is also a good time to settle in and say goodbye to the nines. Mm -hmm. We don't have a lot to talk about, and the releases get more scarce outside of the movies during this period. Yeah, the movies are wild this this week. Mm -hmm. This week is the last big week, man. And it's big. But it also means... There's so much! It just means, in 302010's case, a a, a goodbye to the 80s. Forever, seemingly. Unless we get some weird spin-off backwards next-gen version. Mm. Uh, Well, well, the 80s 80s will be 40 years old, which puts them in classic corner. That's true. So Diana can have fun with this stuff and no one else. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm thinking it's 60, 70, 80. It's 60, 70, 80. The world's 60, 70, 80 years ago today. (laughs) Sure. Lots of stuff with Bob Hope. Lots of stuff with Bob Hope. Um, (laughs) I'm one of your Oscar Santista. I'm Diana Goodman. Never give up. Never surrender. It's me, Sarah. Mm. There's just too much. I, I okay, choose. I understand. I understand. <laughs> I couldn't choose what to reference. I understand. There's so much fun. Uh, like, there's n- almost no television and no nope. games. And once again, we're supported by patreon.com slash lasertime supports the whole network. We have recorded a double episode for the video games, all the video games of November and December. So we're not going to talk Ooh. about those lately, even though there are some notable milestones. Just Angry Birds turning... 10. Ooh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, there's a game everybody played, even if you think you haven't played games. It's you true. probably know you're Angry Birds. Uh, but yeah, that patreon.com slash laser time is where to support that. We considered a lovely holiday gift. Uh, price of five bucks. Price of a cup of coffee with cinnamon or <laughs> creme brulee uh, Christmas edition Starbucks coffee. And you can support your favorite podcast network and we would truly, truly appreciate it. Helps us keep going and everything up to date. Um, let's just jump right into 1989, December 20th through the 27th. Uh, the 26th Boxing Day Canucks out there we're not forgetting you uh, but obviously National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation is number one it being released this year uh, three weeks ago climbing back up to number one but a little yeah. bit of news oh goodness um, I very vaguely remember this this sucks I was too young to appreciate the Berlin Wall falling down that we talked yeah. about a little while ago same and what is this Diana someone who actually reads and knows things about history sorry you do too Sarah I don't I'm dumb <laughs> Well, uh, this week the U.S. invaded Panama. Yes. We sent 26,000 U.S. forces to go invade Panama and go pick up Manuel Noriega, their military dictator, who had been a CIA asset and helping the drug enforcement agency stop drugs, but he was also helping launder drug money and stuff. And he was being a little too nice to people we didn't like, like Libya and the Soviets. So we turned on him, and we indicted him, and we went down there to arrest him. Hey. Okay. Yeah. So we invaded a sovereign country 
Uh, not a lot of reasons. How dare we meddle in anyone's election? And uh. yeah, well, that was part of it too. That was one of the things. Was like they had an election that was kind of shaky, so let's go down and like a couple guys because we do have serious numbers of people in Panama at that time because we still own the canal, mm-hmm. so we have bases and stuff. So we decided, well, they're in danger. Let's go save them. And 23 Americans were killed, about 300 Panamanian soldiers, and somewhere around 1,000 civilians. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. <sighs> that's, not, that's not pretty. It's, no. it, uh, it just, it's just, I don't know, it's, it has glimmers of that second Iraq war, that like horseshit reason to go in and do mm-hmm. something that gets a lot of people needlessly murdered. Uh, and, uh, you know, no politics. That's my Christmas gift to all of you. How about uh, that? Um, mm. Instead, I'll make Diana pronounce the first movie release after the notable National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation that came out actually this week, December 20th to the 26th, Camille Claudel. Yeah, you fe- said it right. Good I, job. Featuring Gerard Deep Era D-I-U. Mm-hmm. Um, D-U-I. Sure. <laughs> I know how to pronounce his name. Right. <laughs> Gerard my father Depardieu. Hero. Mm-hmm. Yep. Sure. Oh, God. Oh. <laughs> So many better movies. Why? Why would you say such a thing? It's like his only big American movie. No. It is. Uh, Iron Man in the Iron Mask. Oh, I didn't know he was in that. Mm. Yeah, you see his ass. Mm. Ew. Yeah, I think he was, he, was a, he was way older than ass-looking shape. Yeah. <laughs> even 20 years yeah. ago. Uh, anyway. Isabel. Uh, Camille. I, uh, Johnny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Camille Claudel, who just got a Google Doogle like a couple weeks ago. Oh. Um, she was a sculptress. Hmm. And it's a movie about her and her relationship with Auguste Rodin, who you know from like The Thinker, mm-hmm. and um, how she had some now. like mental, mental emotional problems towards the end, possibly driven mad with her love for him and him being French, so he's fucking around and stuff. Uh, Isabella Johnny is amazing in it. Uh, <laughs> sorry, okay. I, th- I heard Isabella Johnny, which Me is too. just an adorable name. Yeah, let's do it for Isabella Johnny. <laughs> 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 and um. Can, can I file this in with, like, um, one of the weirdest Spielberg movies ever made came out this week? Yeah. That I've seen. And yeah. I've seen it twice. But it's like, he made nothing in this period I couldn't revisit all the time except for this. And it's not terrible. It's just, it's very terminally. Terminally. But, oh, like the terminal. Yes. Gotcha. It's like he, he's making this, like, mildly mid-concept adult movie mm-hmm. it's not necessarily trying to appeal to kids which is mostly what he was doing in this period right uh other yeah, than color last purple movie was last movie was last crusade yeah and so we have always a movie i remember seeing and like being shocked like the the, the et guy made yeah. this movie <laughs> when i was researching this and i was i was looking this up i had to look this movie up three times over the course of the past two weeks to be like what is this movie about again and i still skipped it yeah, it's, we just had a lot on our plate it's, it's a very skippable but likable 80s film yeah um but yeah. it's it's always it's it's uh like i think maybe his last union with richard dreyfus which was his guy mm. for a little while oh, yeah. that was his de niro uh and also holly hunter and i think one of john goodman's biggest roles at this point um mm-hmm. yep. always he was the luckiest flyer alive then that's right now he's got one more mission to accomplish they hear you inside their own minds if it was their thoughts Okay, kid, you got a chance. Don't screw it up. I don't like this job. Richard Dreyfus, Holly Hunter, John Goodman. From director Steven Spielberg. 
Always rated PG. Starts Friday, December 22nd at theaters everywhere. I love the special appearance by Audrey Hepburn. Yeah. It's like It's almost like... Yeah? It, and I'm just speculating now off the top of my head. It's almost like Spielberg was making a movie for his parents. Mm. Hmm. And which you could say Schindler's List is a movie for his family too. He even mm-hmm. says it in the movie itself. Yeah. And... But... Yeah, it's it's, the, it's an oddball Spielberg movie. It didn't get a ton of attention either. Hmm. Yeah, it's it's fine. Mm-hmm. It's a remake of a guy named Joe from 1943. That's part of why it feels very old fashioned. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is Audrey Hepburn's last film appearance. Mm. Uh, she was pretty. I mean, she was retired at this point, mm-hmm. and they had to lobby her. Like they wanted someone who seemed ethereal, who someone you would meet in heaven. Mm. And it is pretty sweet casting. I mean, yeah, come on, but. It's just fine, and I don't really understand what attracted Spielberg to make it. Yeah, you know, it's about a a guy who puts out wildfires as a pilot, and he dies, and then he goes back and sort of Cyrano de Bergerac's his old girlfriend, mm-hmm. trying to like get her to find move on and find happiness. Roxanne's his ah, old girlfriend. Uh, gotcha. People. There you go. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's I, I always forget the Spielberg movie when I'm thinking yeah. about his. And then, yeah, this is in there. This is uh, one of the ones I dug out of the free VHS screener pack for my friends and who owned a video store. Um, <laughs> and and this this movie, I really want to read then. more about its connection across the globe. Because mm. I think um, this movie is so well-known around the, the world, it gives a weird perception to America, no matter how angry and bitter and how little has changed since the events of Michael Moore's Roger and Me, which I like that Diana listed the cast as Michael Moore and Roger Smith. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. Special appearance by Roger Smith. By Roger Smith. <laughs> um, Spoiler alert, you do see Roger Smith in it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Even though most of the time it seems like you're never going to. <laughs> this is this is where it starts, but it it starts spe- with a specific target. I think unlike a lot of Michael Moore's movies, where mm-hmm. he wants to talk to Roger right. Smith, the uh, executive in charge of the Ford plant. That is, it's deeply personal to him. It's all about Detroit mm-hmm. and the and the Michigan city he grew up in. That was all. Well, it's about Flint, Flint Michigan. Michigan. Sorry, mm-hmm. which has never had any problems since. Yes, Flint is a Flint real is Eden. a real. Uh, a very American story. Mm-hmm. That's all I'll say. And it, it, Extremely. It, Michael Moore documents it here in the beginning and becomes a worldwide name in, in the face of documentaries. And, and it's really, really good. And I love that like the movie's taught and screened in other countries, even though they don't necessarily have the kind of problems that we do of mm-hmm. disappearing factories and exporting things overseas. I was in Japan in 2014, and this is number one in the new release Blu-ray section. Roger wow. and me. I don't. I don't know. Yeah. I don't. I don't get it. I don't. I don't understand. I mean, I. I wish I could have like stopped someone. Like, can you please tell me why this yeah. is relevant here? Yeah. Uh, you. None of your plants have gone anywhere unless we made you put them in our country to sell your cars. Uh, so, <laughs> so like Roger and Me, a great film, a great documentary. Hi, I'm Michael Moore. In my hometown of Flint, Michigan, General Motors closed the factories and put thirty thousand people out of work. To raise their spirits, I made this movie. And went off to find GM chairman Roger Smith to get some answers. Boy, was he hard to get to. We're going to have to ask you to leave the club. Do you want me to call Roger Smith? That's off limits. Call General Motors. I really don't know. I don't think we've met. Do you have an appointment? Mr. Smith is not in. I don't understand. Would you mind leaving? So while looking for Roger, I got to know some of the people in my hometown a bit better. 
like Deputy Fred. I treat a person the way I would like to be treated. Sheriff's Department. And I met a neighbor or two. Deputy Fred should have his own spinoff. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it's it's a real eye-opening look at what was happening back then, and it's 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 so much more depressing considering how Flint looks now. Mm-hmm. And, and Netflix, it's still happening though. Yeah. I mean, there's people in countries all over the world can relate to this. Yeah. The, you know, places that boomed in the manu- manufacturing booms in the 40s and 50s mm-hmm. that have died. You know, we have an entire rust belt, a huge chunk of this country that was built up for this sort of manufacturing jobs. Good union manufacturing jobs. You know, you got a good wage, you got yep. pension, everything's mm-hmm. cool. And that sector has just crumbled largely because of, you know, corporations trying to maximize profits or shipping stuff overseas because it's cheaper and that's where the jobs go. And you see how Flint was so reliant on these GM plants. And when the plants are gone, you just, you see what happens to the city. It mm-hmm. just starts falling apart. In a period of, what's that Netflix documentary about the water and the police? Because it's gotten so, so so much worse. Mm-hmm. So I, I yeah. watched this a few years ago, and then you like he look at how decrepit this street is. You can see it on Netflix in 4K, and it's so so very much worse. And <laughs> everything about Flint is worse. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yes, Godspeed to those people, our Flint listeners during during Christmas. Uh, I'll send you. I'm happy to send you a Starbucks gift card. Uh, all yeah. five of you. But- <laughs> but I mean, this movie ends up being very revolutionary in yes. that uh, it's our big introduction to Michael Moore. It's taking a very serious, depressing topic and doing it in a humorous way, mm-hmm. in a sort of gonzo journalist way. S- there's lots of slice of life, you know, talking to specific people like, yeah, Deputy Fred, the guy who has to do the evictions or the lady who's figured out, oh, I can make some extra money if I sell rabbits for pets or meat. Mm. So that's Which, a disturbing portion. Tri- trigger warning there. Mm-hmm. You watch her murder a bunny in the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's, and it's it just has, about it, his it, quest to go talk to Roger Smith, the CEO, and say, "Hey, how about you come to Flint and see how bad things are?" Yeah, and then why why you had to leave these people this way? And it, it is it's the it's our introduction to Michael Moore, who, like Diana was pointing out, like kind of pioneered a format for documentaries. Yeah, when you see yeah. Conan O'Brien show up, uh, what does he call it? And on a remote, yeah, that's what mm-hmm. Michael Moore was doing. Sort of being silly and invading mm-hmm. people's space, and but not really bothering them that much. Uh, Morgan Spurlock, when you see a documentary by Bill Maher or Chris Rock, they are doing a Michael Moore thing. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and Michael Moore, I think, I think the funniest part about his backstory, he was a very politically mo- motivated young man. I think he was the youngest person in his town uh, voted into office before oh. he was eighteen. Wow, uh, he won an election. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, he, he, unlike that ice clown. <laughs> yes, unlike well, unlike uh, what's his name from Parks and Rec? Yeah, um, that's what I'm yes, about. yes, uh, ice that, clown. Yes. I, the ice clown. Yeah. That did happen to him, and I mm-hmm. uh, I think he did deeply care about his town mm-hmm. and turn that into something kind of wonderful and kind of an amazing career. Yeah, I, I'm a big Michael Moore fan. I won't. Me too. I, I will not apologize for that or Michael Moore at all. It's, he's a wonderful human being. He seems like a very kind-hearted person, mm-hmm. and also society needs these kinds of rabble rousers right. who will just go mm-hmm. in and. And I just watching this too, like 
I love his films. Mm-hmm. They kind of make me sweat a little bit because mm-hmm. I have such a deep-seated fear of being yelled at <laughs> by another adult. Cut it out, like, Sarah! Yeah, he I, yelled at! I don't like it. Like, the idea of someone coming to me at a movie theater and being like, oh, excuse me, I think you're in my seat makes me so stressed out <laughs> that, like, I need these people to be doing this work because I obviously can't. It is. It is I always call it, like, the oddest face of true punk rock. It, it comes in a Midwestern accent and a uh, morbidly obese body, but it, Michael Moore does some <laughs> punk rock shit and still does. For real. And, it, and I don't mm-hmm. know. I dig it, and he's always – and everyone always yells at him. He's always called obnoxious, and he's always right mm-hmm. every time. Every, every fucking time. And, he, and he's dragged over the coals, and then during my teenage years, it was over exploiting veterans and Walter Reed, and then – Five years later, we found out, oh, we have veterans living in asbestos mill dude hospitals with mm-hmm. not the right care. And Michael Moore told us about that, and we yelled at him for telling us about it. Interesting. <laughs> he, we yelled at him for telling us about, uh, about the healthcare industry and capitalism. Um, and then 10 years later, we talk about it. Yeah. And anyway, it starts with Roger and me, a, ver- a much smaller story, a very small story compared to what he would tackle later on. Guns, well, it's a America. Microcosm. Yeah, but, but like his next movie is the big one. Yeah. That's just talking about America. Mm. And then he goes into in uh, guns in 9-11 and America again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and didn't he have a show for a while too? TV Nation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's brilliant if you can find it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Awful Truth is out there. It's also excellent. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry, I like Michael Moore. And but I also yep. and this and this holds up to rewatch yes. too. Even though you know it's 30 years old, it's still so freaking relevant that mm-hmm. it's infuriating. It it's the, like, yep, this is how I <laughs> How it goes. And to this day, wins the award for most depressing use of Beach Boys, Wouldn't It Be Nice? Like (laughs) Talking about a man driving himself to work. Oh, I have to go home? Driving himself into a mental institution. Mm. (laughs) Wouldn't it be nice? Anyway. Uh, Hey, wait. This could be a good double feature. If you ignore the ampersand, Roger and me and Tango and Cash. Ah. What a a wonderful crossover that they – too bad I wasn't – cognizant enough to think of back then mm-hmm. i i am so glad that tango and cash is right here at the tail the, the little the tail end of the 80s mm. because this is such an 80s piece of garbage <laughs> <laughs> I, I disagree i think they they cleverly p- placed it uh right where award season movies go mm-hmm. <laughs> sure day. i wanted to make sure you get it in there yeah tango and cash i think accidentally birthed so many 80s action tropes and yeah. it's it's also part um, of a, uh, it has all of them. Yeah, it, it, it does nothing original, but is so bald faced in its theft of a format that's done better by a billion other movies with with two actors who are fun to watch. Sly Stallone, yeah. Kurt Russell. Um, it, I, I it's it's I think it's been reevaluated by people my age, and I'll talk about that in a second. You should hear the TV spot when two of LA's top rival cops. Yeah, I agree. You're the second best cop in LA. That's funny. I got the same thing about you. Go gunning for trouble. They drive each other crazy. Tango and Cash. Did you sleep with my sister? I was so drunk. I honestly, I don't remember. Okay. Sylvester Stallone and Kurt Russell are Tango <laughs> and Cash. Rated R. Starts Friday, December twenty second at a theater. Oh. Russell makes a beautiful woman. Yes, he does. Kurt mm-hmm. Russell is a beautiful man. I don't want to know anything else about. Because mm. uh, every t- every time he opens his mouth about his personal beliefs, like, "Hey, man, I love you." Would you stop that? Uh, but, Just sit there and look pretty. Yeah, yeah. Let me see. Like, shake your <laughs> mullet a little bit instead of telling me how you feel about guns. Mm. Uh, but but it's it's odd Stallone casting him playing the 
straight laced, mm-hmm. besuited by the bookie cop. But Kurt Russell's perfect. Yeah, it's a really good, good Kurt wild Russell card. movie. He's got the mullet for it. And, and I think I was I talked about this in the show before, and I now forget the publication. And they wrote about this in the streaming era, the Tango and Cash principle, where people for people my age, this is a big air quoted classic. Uh, because <laughs> because it aired on cable so much because we didn't uh, opt to watch it mm-hmm. we, no one this was not a huge success in theaters but it played on HBO and then subsequently cable television endlessly for the next thirty years we've all seen it and people like me now look forward to screening it in a streaming world where you have to decide to watch everything intentionally like you lose your tango and cash mediocrity and love yeah. for stuff like that. And that it's not important if that gets lost, mm-hmm. but it's something I, I appreciate about growing up that, uh, things I don't necessarily want to see I'm exposed to and things that I don't necessarily love. I'm re-exposed to and, and tango and cash. I think for people of a certain age, it's, it's a wonderful, like, a uh, not catchphrase, but like you instantly know what it is. And like, it, it sort of describes like this style of movie, that it's going for right. mm-hmm. uh, the the hyper eighties machismo mismatched cops buddy, who end yeah. up buddy cops. Sorry. Even though yeah. there's a ton of other movies Better that movies. have done that. I mean, this is Lethal Weapon, yes. except yes. for not as good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. But Lethal Weapon didn't have Terry Hatcher as a club dancer who part of her act is playing the electric drums. <laughs> oh, well, there you go then. Uh, was Sheila okay. E a consultant on this movie? Yeah. She's got to play the electric Uh, drums. (laughs) It's so dumb. (laughs) This is, this really is like every dumb 80s movie thrown in. I don't remember if they're going after drug dealers. Do they, and the drug dealers have like really over the top accents. I mean, I remember Jack Palance, I think is the bad guy. I don't Mm -hmm. think he's doing a crazy Spanish accent. That's the only thing that's missing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I shouldn't even say mediocrity. It, It is, it is pretty dumb. But it's well done. Oh, it's, it's well done done. It's well done. Well done done. done. Yeah. It's, yeah. Com- it's competently done dumb. It's, it's competent. The boom mic never shows up in the shot. I'm go. now reviewing movies like a video game Points reviewer. Points for that. Um, the, the camera was always pointed in the right direction. <laughs> <laughs> this is how you review video games, yes. Ooh, uh, yeah. But uh, but I, I, I have wild appreciation for Tango and Cash. It, it's a good bar- – It's movies like this are a good barometer to have on which to judge better movies. Sure. Because – Here's, here's a totally competent. I, I, we are in a sea of excellent stuff. Yeah. And I see something like, that was beyond good, but I don't care because everything is so good. You really have to go out of your way these days to watch a four. Yeah, you really do. You really do. <laughs> so everyone, a homework assignment and, for Christmas, what? Michael Bay's Six Underground. That Let's is, do it on Netflix. Let's that all is one it. of the things that I am thankful for for this uh, podcasting gig. Mm-hmm. I've seen a lot of fours yeah. <laughs> as part of my homework. Please stop making eye contact with me. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, fucking, yeah, but Tango and Cash, yeah, it's, it's, like, it's one of those things. Like if I were to watch Six Underground on Netflix – be like that was whatever, and then I never watch it again. Mm-hmm. I didn't have that option with Tango and Cash. Right. It repeated all the time. It's true. I, I, mm-hmm. I got to love this warts and all little little kitten with the bites taken out of its ear and the mange. Um, I don't know. I I, I, I I like that, but it's also like, yeah, that did kind of suck though. Like mm. the world yeah. said no to Tango and Cash, and we all had to endure it for years anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I, I, but yeah, someone someone smarter than me wrote about it. The Tango and Cash Principle. That's the kind of thing that, that streaming culture is killing. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, mediocrity mm-hmm. giving a, being given a second, third, fourth, fifth, tenth chance to break even in all these other fields. Well, what's interesting, though, is just today I heard on NPR um, a story about why uh, Friends was the second most watched television program on Netflix last year. Hmm. And After The Office? Probably, yeah. yeah. And it's like, also, though, there is that urge to return to sure. this comfort mediocrity mm-hmm. and watch it over and over again that a lot of people, I think, in our generation are also doing Doesn't as well. Doesn't grow or So, change. yeah, it's comforting. There's not a lot of risks you have to take. You know exactly what you're getting yourself into. And please... If you there was a camera behind me, you could easily throw bullshit at my and slam of nostalgia. This I'm, I'm guilty yeah. of it too. Oh yeah, me but, too. But mm. like, no one l- truly loves Tango and Cash, mm-hmm. but we've all learned to accept it mm-hmm. um, for what yeah. it is. I'm sure there's people who have a lot of nostalgic affection for it. I mean, my, but I think no I, one is saying it's their favorite movie of all time. I think my like I have this same and relationship. If you are, God help you. I have this relationship with uh with Bad Boys, mm-hmm. the the Bad Boys mm-hmm. movie series. There's nothing exceptional about the Bad Boys movie series, but they are kind of my favorite things ever. That's okay, and, <laughs> too. I can't watch all exceptional so things. It gets me very I'm tired. I'm very excited for Bad Boys for Life. It's <laughs> yeah, okay to have too. like an oddball, unexceptional, barely original, yeah. stylistic version of something you've seen a thousand times before. I am okay with that. And, and the only reason Tarantino mm-hmm. gets away with it is he puts 30 years in between that genre dying out. Mm-hmm. And he's definitely doing something different with his alternate history, but like that's how he made his money initially, mm-hmm. remaking genres people didn't make anymore. And I think the Tango Cash genres do for a comeback. <laughs> I think you're right. <laughs> I think you're right. He says this having not watched the Lethal Weapon TV show, uh, but uh, that seems to be though not in the same. I don't know. For what I've seen of promos and whatnot, mm-hmm. that in the Hawaii Five O like mm-hmm. remake show. They don't seem to be in the spirit of mm. the originals, I feel like. Not quite as jaunty. I, I think there was like an, either an 80s acceptance that like we don't know anything what drug dealers are really like. Yeah. Or like it's not based <laughs> in reality at all. And right. I'm sure all those stories have to – those TV shows have to take some – put one foot in the reality of what people can understand. Mm-hmm. Where people in the 80s didn't want to understand any of this shit. So you could throw anything in their eyes. Yeah. And so you get tangled. Lasers galore. Yes, there's so many cars that blow up and people surviving in them. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, Tango and Cash. That's the why am I talking more about this than a Spielberg movie and an award-winning documentary? I'll tell you why. TV, nothing. I'm nothing. sure. Hey, look, if you have a favorite choir in 1989, I bet they played on TV <laughs> I, because everyone else went home. Yep. And it was a bunch of Christmas specials and reruns. And- I can tell you on the episode of um, Another World, I think, mm-hmm. they did a Christmas Carol-themed <laughs> type oh, of sort of situation. And in a Dear John episode, I think Dear they did some sort of a um, the movie that you're always trying to make me watch that I keep falling It's super. a wonderful life. It's a wonderful life Philistine. situation. Ugh. I'm watching it this year, I promise. God, I would really love to see Judd Hirsch do all those George Bailey lines. That would be yeah. great. Yeah. Uh, um, I'm not going to do an uh, anti-Semitic impression. I don't care how much Please you're pressuring don't. me. We and- get to talk about Judd Hirsch next segment. Damn right. Uh, and and we get to talk about, uh, well, games once again. Um, Games here are sort of all, all over the place. Once again, we have a. I, I, there's nothing that came out in this period, but there, I think there is yeah. one or two good things that came out in December. We mm-hmm. talk more in depth about those. Patreon.com slash later time with the Video Game Apocalypse guys, which comes out every Friday, assuredly, on the Laser Time Network. Check that out. 
Uh, music releases, though. Wow. In Under the Wire. Hallelujah, but a happy Mondays. What? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yep, I believe that is its, uh, its U.S. release. Probably not its U.K. release. That's it. That's all we got. Also out that day. No, not out that day. Number one, Another Day in Paradise by Phil Collins. So let's close out with that, and we'll be right back with 1999, and the movies are back. Yay, it's nuts. Christmas. Let's all sing a song about homelessness. Thanks, yeah. Phil. Coming in with one of the best songs of 1999, Party Up in Here by DMX off of And Then There Was it's a good X. One. It's, I don't know, man. Like, it's, this is a good way to start any episode of anything that's on MTV. Yeah. Uh, which is what they did a lot <laughs> in 1999. Much. Or just start your day oh. off. <laughs> yes. Just open it up, put it on your little CD alarm clock that I had in high school. Oh, my God. Put a what? sticker on it that said, Christian Girls Rock. Oh. <laughs> Hold on. I know your CD-based alarm clock has to be like, before it plays the song, it has to go. Yes. Yes. And that's what woke me up every morning, yes. not the song. <laughs> yeah. And guess what, y'all? It still works. Mm-hmm. Okay. I uh, used you to wake then up... you end up dreading that song. I know. I used to wake up to um, Jane Says by Jane's Addiction. Like, Yuck. I know. It's a weird child. But I also wear I... fake glasses to school every day. I so <laughs> who am I? <laughs> Jackie Chan. Um, uh... it, I, I know a many men who use this and many other DMX songs to work out. Because it works. It's a good workout. This Mm -hmm. is a good workout jam. Um, Also out this week, December 20 to the 26th, 1999. We're in a completely different decade. Perhaps the greatest titled posthumous album in all time. Frank Zappa's Everything is Healing Nicely. That's great. I <laughs> love that. Really good. I want that to be my sign off on emails now. It's really <laughs> for the rest of my really life. Good. Oh, he's mm. uh, like, I, yeah. If you haven't heard Frank Zappa and you like music that's funny, Frank Zappa, it's really good. It's the only, yeah. it's the reason why he's the only guy who's in memory of and Ren and Stimpy. Uh, Frank Aww. And, and, and Mystery Science, and Mystery Science Theater. Theater, yeah. Aww. Oh, yeah, that's right. It's only Mystery Science Theater. The, they're only in memory of. Yeah. Frank Zappa was the voice of the Pope in the Powder Toast Man uh, <laughs> episode. And he says two lines, I'm saved. <laughs> uh, par- and then World Party by Goody Mob. A Goody Mob, two words I haven't thought of, but make me feel very 90s. Mm-hmm. Pleasantly 90s, mm-hmm. just thinking about it. Smooth by Santana is still number one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I even left it alone with the Rob Santana thing. Um, 1999, a little bit of news to bring you in. Diana, say this word because I'm a little stuffy and obviously I can Ma- read. Macau. Macau. The word is Macau. The place is Macau. On my back. And it was transferred from Portuguese control to full Chinese control. The Portuguese had been in charge of Macau in some way, shape, or form since 1557. Wow. And, uh, yeah, it's a little island off of China, and so it's kind of in the same boat with Hong Kong, where it's like, you have some independence, but generally China's in charge. But Macau is more interesting because Macau is the gambling capital of the world. Oh. The gambling industry in Macau makes seven times more money than Las Vegas does. What wow. the fuck? Holy shit, that's crazy. That is crazy. Yeah. Mm. 
Oof. Uh, yeah, and Vegas makes a ton of money. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah. And yeah. And I'm only no, I'm only remembering that. Wait, no, maybe it wasn't Vegas. Never mind. Ignore my story. Because uh, this story was funnier. Oh, my God. On Christmas Day. Remember this being a scandal? The world I do remember this. would have cared a lot more about now. Maybe. Maybe never stop talking about. I don't now? know. People. Yes. Because, like, I think people being cheaty is, is mm-hmm. pretty is full time tarnishing of their character nowadays. Mm. In, uh, I think it. Well, I don't know. I don't care as much about that as it, more about consent. Well, mm. me too, but yeah. you're not we're not on Twitter every day. It's true. <laughs> so they have to find new things to get mad about. Mm. Uh so Jerry <laughs> Seinfeld marrying a woman he met on her honeymoon with another man is the kind of thing that most folks on Twitter wouldn't forget about. I mean, uh, that's yeah. pretty baller. I've seen that movie and the remake. Yeah. <laughs> There's a really it didn't get a lot of laughs live, but the SNL sketch, which was the Hallmark Christmas movie dating uh, game show, mm-hmm. <laughs> just really, really good. Uh, hi, I'm a executive. Is too caught up in my work. Hi, I'm not Santa Claus. <laughs> <laughs> my name is Nicholas Claus. <laughs> but but uh, yeah, and they're, you're right. They're still together, and they have multiple still children. Together. Yeah, twenty uh, years. Jessica Sklar. No relation Sometimes, to the wonderful Sklar brothers. If things start in a scandal, they end up okay. Everyone's fine. It just does seem very kingly of him. No, no, no. Prima not That one. <laughs> <laughs> I can have anyone in the world. I want that one with the fucking tiara on. Right off the altar. Yep. Give me that I one. Realize, yeah, I mean, Seinfeld made a lot of money every episode. I didn't know he got right a prima nocta, though. Yeah. yeah. You know? <laughs> when you're good, you're good. It. I only thought... <laughs> I thought it was odd because I was watching like E's Howard Stern and he's uh, and he was they were in like a feud or something or mad at one another. Mm. Like, mm. Jerry's dating a seventeen year old girl and he was he was he was yeah, and he was and that's who he was dating. And then all of a sudden he's like, no no no, I want an adult, but his adult. <laughs> <laughs> why yeah. Jerry? Why another? Why another man's wife? Because yeah yeah, you women are what? property. I'll wait for the comments. Uh, but it, uh, but yeah, they are still together. Lovely story. Jerry still makes me laugh. Let's get in the movie. Stuart Little is still number one, and that makes me warm in all the right ways. Sure. Uh, at yeah. the box office. We talked about that last week. This movie makes me feel warm and sad. Hmm. Um, yeah. It's good. It's not. It was not theatrically released in the U.S., but I had to include, even though it was direct to VHS, the sort of first movie, sort of last episode of Animaniacs. Animaniacs. Wacko's Wish. Uh, it was supposed to be theatrically released. They had one theatrically released cartoon in front of a Warner Brothers movie. I forget which. And eventually aired in an episode of Animaniacs. But like that's what Spielberg wanted. He wanted mm-hmm. to tailor. It, it wasn't Tiny Toons. It wasn't, it wasn't trying to uh, tell the story of the Looney Tunes gang. It was trying to be the Looney Tunes. Uh, giant orchestra, lavish animation. It's almost distracting how much animation is in Animaniacs. Mm-hmm. And they were supposed <laughs> to get... This theatrical movie, but at that point, interest had kind of petered out. So I think it lost a little bit of its budget. It's the same people who brought you Mask of the Phantasm, I think. Um, it, it's it's good, but it is like it is the last piece of animation from the Animaniacs. And I know it's available on iTunes and not a lot of other places. For now. For now. 
We are in something strange. In a tale that captures your imagination. What is that? Haven't you heard? There's no such thing. It's too absurd. Could well be what we just don't know. We'll soon find out because we're going to go to, to the wishing star, to the wishing star. And something weird and so bizarre it fell to earth from way up far. They're on their way to the wishing star. I gotta get to the wishing star. We're doing really good so far. Out of my way, whoever you are. Steven Spielberg presents the Animaniacs in their first full-length feature. Wacko's Wish, coming January 2000. <laughs> Whoops, did we get it wrong? Uh -oh. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, it came out. Um, no, it actually came out here. Yeah. Yeah, and then it, and it's a shame because like Animaniacs, I don't know, every time I'm like writing, like, what do I want to see in a modern cartoon? Animaniacs has it all. Mm. And it's really mm -hmm. good. And it holds up very well. And so does this. But it's just, it's very themey. And, and it's not yeah. what you'd want from Animaniacs, Animaniacs, but they chose a theme and they stuck with it. And it's very musical and Christmassy. Hmm. Um, and, and it's good, but... Yeah, it's, it stands alone, though. It's it's unrelated, really, to yes. the show. Yes. I mean, it takes place in a different setting, and it's it's like the Animaniacs characters are making a Christmas special. Mm -hmm. Right, yeah. and I think that's the only but reason it, it, disappoint me, it disappoints me is because it's like a... It clearly has a bigger budget, but it didn't know it was the last episode, but it is. Yeah. And it's the last episode, the last time you'll ever, unless you play GameCube games, the last time you'll ever see these voice actors together. Because mm. they did reunite in games and stuff for years to come. And there's a new show coming out with the voice actors. But uh, yeah, it's just not what I would have wanted for a last episode of Animaniacs. But it's a perfect for this time of year, so do it now. Good Lord. Speaking of perfect for this time of year uh. and almost unwatchable now. And oh, like, my God. <laughs> Holy this shit. Movie this movie's is hilarious. So bad. <laughs> this movie sucks. She just Willem Dafoe'd her arms in the air, platoon Ooh. and boondock saint style <laughs> to do that. Uh, but, holy shit. But what a this cast. cast. I know. Cast, I left off Anne Margaret. That's right. But she's in this movie. And. Football greats Lawrence Taylor and Jim Brown. Jim mm -hmm. Brown, uh, mm -hmm. John C. McGinley of Scrubs and Sand Against Evil fame, and Point Break. Matthew and Modine, the two children mm -hmm. of Jiminy Click. No, wait, that's just the regular Matthew Modine. And LL Cool J. James Woods, Jamie Foxx, uh, and it's one of his first serious turns, uh, Dennis Quaid, mm -hmm. Cameron Diaz, and the ever-yelling and spitting Al Pacino, Any Given Sunday. Someday, a legend will fall. Don't you give up on me. I'll fight for you to the day I die. A hero will rise. Make me a believer! And a war will begin. He's changing the plays. He just does what he likes. You run the plays, I call. I've been warming the bits the whole time I've been in the pros. I don't plan on going back. Given Sunday, look for it on video cassette and DVD. I will in a few months. But, okay. Uh, but... This movie, okay, first of all, first of all, Oliver Stone is yeah. just bad, right? Hold on. Hold the phone. He just... I was just talking with a friend. We might do a later time about this debate. The most 90s movies ever made that embody everything weird and wacky about that decade. I would put Natural Born Killers up there because I think yeah, there came too. a time where he was like, I don't really care about being a lavish Oscar-winning filmmaker. I want to be make movies that are cool and look like things that are happening on MTV. And he did mm -hmm. that successfully, uh, but it's really embarrassing. Dude, U-Turn, Natural Born Killers, and this are some of like the this most, the most Pepsi commercial yeah. shot fucking movies I've ever seen in my entire life. Now, this one specific, yeah. I mean, yeah. I hate Natural Born Killers as well, but mm. this movie specifically is embarrassing. 
embarrassing. It okay. is yeah. so cheap looking, first is of it? all. It is made by a man who has no respect for sports, hates <laughs> sports, hates people who play sports, and hates people who watch sports. They, oh, so true. See, the outfits I, are I, so cheap. The like the mascots look like they're clip art. Like the stadium <laughs> looks like it's like it is so bad. It is so bad, and it it's infuriating to me because I love football movies mm-hmm. for specifically. Yeah. I mean, I love sports movies. I <sighs> really love football movies. And in when you look at a movie like this, and then you hold it, and what it's saying about football, mm-hmm. and then you hold it up next to. Jerry Maguire, mm-hmm. which is not mm-hmm. only saying the same thing about football, but a hundred times better mm-hmm. and has a love story and looks good and expensive. It's insane to me. And that was made three years ago, by the way, in 96. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I am saying, fuck Oliver Stone. This movie is the, I can be with the you. piece now, of trash. Now, I'm, I'm really curious to see what happens in a couple weeks when we have a good Oliver Stone movie that is not this overkill style he developed after Natural Born Killers. Oh, Diana must love Alexander then. Is that, please tell me oh, that's my what we're God. I do, but for totally other reasons, <laughs> baby. Oh, my God, that's so bad. No, I... So, yeah, any given Sunday football movie al pacino is a coach and pretty much everyone else plays players except for cameron diaz who plays a team owner i i almost feel like this movie takes sports way too seriously yeah. because that over stylized stuff of like when they're down on the field and you got these first these first person pov shots and there's like grunting and sweating and close-ups and like animal growls and mm-hmm. it's like yeah. this is combat this is the real thing this is and it's like dude it's a game. Yeah. Calm your tits. And as someone who has watched probably more football than both y'all put together, uh-huh. I, I think, and more live football than I've, both y'all I've put watched together. a lot of football, yeah. yeah. But um, I, it's, nobody that I've ever met takes it seriously in that way. Mm. Like, people no. take it seriously. I've had my weekends ruined by football, mm-hmm. but <laughs> it, not in that that self that self serious kind of way yeah. that is just like it and that's why i feel like i don't know that he has any respect for people who weird, watch the, or play football the most devastating thing that happened to a because of football fandom is a tree got poisoned mm-hmm. like right. like there's no selena in football like they're, they're, a yeah. tree got poisoned. Yeah. And it's it's devastating. It's it very sucks, bad. And it's yeah, mean, that tree poisoned. But that's the horrible. worst. But yeah, yeah. No, I understand what you're saying. For sure. Well, and also too, like, I don't know, this movie kind of felt like he was like, here's sports dummies. Here's a movie. That's what yeah. it feels like. Yeah. I, I, I would I just, say one nice thing, Jamie Foxx is real good in it, and yes. all the reviews at the time are like, Oh shit, Jamie Foxx can do, you know, drama. And, and he told re- repeatedly this. the story yeah. of working off of Al Pacino. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, and then that motherfucker gets all screaming and ah, and like, and then he spit on my lip, and I didn't want to touch. <laughs> and there's this great impression of like not wanting to close his mouth and read his lines because Al Pacino spit is on his lip. I don't hear you, I don't hear you. Like I can't do it justice. You should watch him oh, do it. It's really so funny. So much Al Pacino spitting in this, oh where it's God. like it's actually appropriate because he's like on the sidelines, mm-hmm. and when you're screaming that much at players, you know. You, Spitting's gonna happen. Sure. It actually makes sense yeah. in, this, in this context, but that is hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> I can imagine. Me. I'm sure ESPN would read a poem to it if they shot it in slow motion. Yeah, it's uh, spitting on the sideline. It is definitely big 
Daddy Pacino, for sure. Yeah. Elizabeth, also, Elizabeth Berkley is in this, and you see her boobs. Yep. Wow. I didn't even get Redeemed. that far in a rewatch. <laughs> yeah. I was really tired last night. I started watching it, and I got about 20 minutes. I didn't get past the first game. Yeah. And I'm like, I am exhausted by this, mm-hmm. by the slow-mo and the, the different sp- speeds and the close-ups and the, mm-hmm. the shutter kind of but thing that... that he does with it which is exactly what everything looks like when i'm about to faint from low blood sugar yeah. <laughs> but that's uh, the, that's the thing oliver stone I don't want it oliver stone took mtv to heart after natural born killers and really like things are shot at different cut drastically to different angles and frame rates and film speeds and colors yeah and but it, like it looks in... like a, it looks like a fucking stone temple pilots video every single second it's ridiculous <laughs> yeah. It's utterly ridiculous, and, and I, I appreciate it now, but I never want to see anyone do it again. I feel like he ran it through an old guy filter. Yes, that no, was he did. just like, yeah. this is what the kids like. And it's did. like, no, this looks He did. Bad. It's like Angable Humperdinck making trap music. Like, yeah. it's, it's worth, like, <laughs> tip my hat to you, sir, but this should not represent any no. either genre, you or what you're Take trying to nap, do. Take a nap. Yeah. Take a nap. Stay in your lane. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, exactly. If, if he just shot this straight, which mm-hmm. he used to be able to do, which he it went would back be to doing, okay, movie. He went back to doing, <coughs> but he ruined himself in the late nineties. <sighs> U turn yeah. and and natural born killers, natural born killers, and I think one more are ruined by this style that he tried yeah. to adopt. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> the other thing too is that he has Jamie Fox be a football player who has his own rap song at Mm -hmm. one point, which would make perfect sense if you're making a movie about an 80s football player like Deion Sanders. I'm about to do the Super Bowl. Prime time. Yeah, like this Mm -hmm. makes perfect, that sort of over-the-top bombastic sort of personality. That's not really the type of late 90s football men that we were looking at in 99. That was basketball. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, yeah. Jamie Foxx, though, is so great. He does this horrible rap, which, by the way, he is an actual rapper. And then at the end, he does do that Jamie Foxx weird smile that he does where he, he's doing comedy stuff. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? The Tawana Wanda? Um, no, that can't be. Where he's like looking directly at the camera? I don't know. It's no, I don't pretty know. funny because it really took me out of it because this is a pretty serious movie. But it but, went over uh, the original Rachel Dawes, so it had... He, that smile must be worth something. Mm. Um, and also, by the way, I do not like Cameron Diaz, and this is like peak Cameron Diaz. Like I, I'm a guy's girl, and I can just say mm. football things in a tough voice. How hot am yeah, I? She she feels out of I place hate it so much. <laughs> so glad I don't have to talk about this, and I'm so glad this is what's happening. This movie sucks, and it deserves no reverence at all. Sam and I watched and, it while we did a puzzle together. <laughs> yelling the whole time. And the puzzle was a better movie. It was. And, um, <laughs> it was vintage travel posters. <laughs> oh, nice. Stop it. This is about movies, ladies. Sorry, Get it sorry. together. <laughs> uh, okay, can we move on to the good movies? Yes. Because we, we got a three shot now. The rest of these. Now that that's, now that any given Sunday's out of the way. I just had to get it off my chest. I, yeah, this, this is probably. I do not blame you. From what I remember about it, it's probably a great movie. I've seen it twice. It is. I've mm-hmm. the John Malkovich sequel prequel. I've seen. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But the uh, OG one, the talented Mr. Ripley. Uh, yes. Yeah, Matt Damon, Jude Law, and those are the biggies. And Gwyneth Paltrow, Kate Blanchett, and Phil Phil Cy Hoffman, as mm. they say in Oh Hello. Rest <laughs> in peace, <laughs> Phil Cy Hoffman, uh, the talented Mr. Ripley. You uh, stay at Dickie's house, eat Dickie's food, wear his clothes. And his father picks up the tab. What did you actually do in New York? 
telling lies, forging signatures, uh, impersonating practically anybody. What? Okay. This All right, is, so we got it. It's also lady directing porn. wise. Directing wise, the polar opposite of any given Sunday. Oh, yeah. Very classically old school, calmly directed by Anthony Minghella. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Any shot that's not uh, doesn't take place in Italy, cut it, burn it. Yeah. We don't want it. Yeah. Every shot, a painting, beautiful, gorgeous, the landscape, everything, all the people, everything is so beautiful. Oh yes. Ah, I love this movie. Mm-hmm. Besides the fact that, yes, like like we were talking about with other movies, like um, I remember what, like a year or two ago when we were talking about Call Me By Your Name and saying, I want to live in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yep. I want to live in this movie. Yeah. This, yeah. this is like call, call Me By Your Name with boats. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This time period all... in Italy is mm-hmm. ugh, uh, a feast for the eyes. Yeah. Actually, oh, we get to talk about 60s Italy later, and uh, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to be kind. No. <laughs> but this time... <laughs> This time, uh, we could talk about, this is an adaptation of the Patricia Highsmith novel that had previously been done as Purple Noon. That's a Frenchie version, and it's about Matt Damon. Is this guy who is kind of a loser mm-hmm. and insinuates himself into these fancy rich people lives with Jude Law and Gwyneth Paltrow, and then starts becoming Jude Law. Yeah. And then literally is becomes Jude Law. And it's so much of it, besides that it's like beautiful looking and has gorgeous people in it, it's a thriller and it's 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 tied between like you spend home all the time sort of like how is he going to get out of this mm-hmm. how is he going to get out of this one and it's all so cleverly done and that like he's telling all these different lies to all these different people and you're waiting for them to run into each other and, and fact check him and he's just so good at juggling it all no, I, 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 when i was thinking about it well well looking into it, it reminded me of, of breaking bad that like mm-hmm. walter white we enjoy yeah. watching him because he does figure out a way out of everything, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and and you think uh, uh, you think Matt Damon has come to the end of the maze like several times and constantly finds yeah, right. another exit route. I and in this con, this this wonderful con, which by the way, I don't know. I think in the world we live in now, hey, yeah, find a multimillionaire, steal his identity, just do this. <laughs> like it, it should be a job that you could apply for yeah. at some point. They have enough. <laughs> All he it's took was a, his shoes. It's the sort of thing that, yeah. that's impossible mm. now. Yes. Unbelievably yeah. impossible. But yeah, I mean, it is a, a beautiful movie about very ugly people. Mm-hmm. Like everyone, mm-hmm. nobody is good in this movie except for um, the other musician at the end of the movie. Did you? Did mm. it make you think of Parasite at all? Yeah, it mm-hmm. did. It definitely did. I... I don't I, so I saw this movie when it came out and then I watched it again for this recording and I remember why I didn't watch it again because this movie stresses me the fuck out. Mm. It is so <laughs> stressful. I like it's too much for me and I love I mean I love it and it's a fantastic movie and it's my eyes are just like filled with these beautiful images and mm. then my heart is full of dread because it is just mm-hmm. incredibly stressful to watch and try to outrun this this is not all the time, and then this is not my favorite movie. It is, but every time people talk about real movie fans talk about 1999 being the best, Mm -hmm. I I think about it. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, because this is a movie I don't care about. But like, this is amazing movie that I don't care about. (laughs) Yeah. Mm. After he finished it, I mean, I was deeply unsettled. It's a very unsettling movie for me. 
I don't, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's that's the thing is it's so easy to do this wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, there's so many ways you can make Matt Damon's character. You know, he's unlikable, but you know, is he hateable? Mm-hmm. Or do you lie? He's you know a dick, but does he have what's coming? Does he deserve what's coming to him? You know, all these different characters you could. I don't know. Just make him not seem so as smart, so everything mm-hmm. would feel like a plot hole instead of being sneaky. There's a lot of ways to do this wrong, mm-hmm. and every moment of it, it rings true. There's a lot of ways to do it wrong, and there's a lot of ways to do it mediocrely. Mm-hmm. Is that a word? Sure. Sure. Yeah. Um, and it is absolutely not mediocre. Mm-hmm. It's it's amazing. And also, too, you're totally right about the characters, too. I mean, especially Matt Damon's character. If he was just a little bit more likable or a little bit less likable, it would not work as yeah. well. Yeah. He, but he's yeah. just the right amount. He's young and confused, yeah. so you don't think of him as a con man. He's just trying to, like, he's stuck in Italy. Yeah. What's he going to do? <laughs> he doesn't have a dad yeah. to wire him a ticket back home if he gets caught. Yeah. Well, yeah, there there is a point where it's like coming clean is not an option. Yeah, right. <laughs> where it's like, well, you could just just fess up. Everything will be fine. Just yeah. explain everything. It'll work out. No, there he has to. He can't cut the Gordian knot. He has to untangle it. Mm-hmm. And watching all the steps is just great. And the cast. Oh my god, everybody is fantastic. Love Philip Seymour Hoffman in this so much. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, back, yeah. Back when he used to play. Uh, kind of sleaze bags yes mm-hmm. i want to kiss you in the yeah. mouth <laughs> <laughs> i like i like, like I, if, this this it's could like if that character for the character from boogie nights like grew up as a rich fail son <laughs> a very clever person could program uh, a, a a good bill with this and gattaca because assuming the life of jude hmm. law um is ah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah i also he, he plays such a good aristocrat to okay, us americans this is also i can't Gosh, maybe you remember this, Diana. Was it the mm-hmm. following year? Two thousand? No, it's it was later. It was in the aughts. But every time I look at Jude Law, I can't help but think about that time from the Oscars, where it's Chris Rock and he makes that joke about how like, Who oh, Jude who's Jude Law? He's in every <laughs> movie. And then fucking Sean Penn, this dour old paper bag of a man, yeah. gets up and he's like, "Don't say that about Jude Law. He's my friend. He's he's a good actor." This Mad Dog twenty twenty two. Of a human being. <laughs> it makes me laugh so hard to think about like grouchy old Sean Penn not getting a joke. Uh, yeah, it's like if an old man would have walked insult. out and like, I wanted to make sure everyone knew I didn't like the You're joke. Right. I didn't top it. I didn't make it better. <laughs> but I wanted you to know I didn't like that. Jude Law's my friend. <laughs> Don't make fun of my friend. Jude Law is a millionaire in every movie. He's fine. He's fine. I think about that every time I see Jude Law on something now. It's oh, my best. gosh. Oh, we get to talk about him in the next segment as I well. Know. Oh, when Captain see, Marvel now, kills him? I, now, uh, oh, it's not yeah. No, No, I think about him because uh, here's a really random story. I hadn't seen The Talented Mr. Ripley for, I don't know, at least 10 years mm-hmm. when I had to go under for some minor surgery. And they put me under, and my entire dream was me and Jude Law, presumably in Italy, like on a seawall in Italy, talking about where we were going to go for dinner. Oh, that's And then fun. I woke up, and it because it was so warm, the golden light as the sun's going down, and we're just, right oh, when where Diana are we said, Between your legs, Mr. Law, and then she's just <laughs> shaken awake. <laughs> she's like, put me back, put me back under. Right. Exactly. Well, I woke up, and all I saw the fluorescent lights, and I was like, mother 
fuck? <laughs> I hope Michael was there like, what, honey? Yes. <laughs> no. It's just because, like, I never sleep well. And to actually sleep well and have a relaxing dream. Sweet. Jesus Christ, dear, I am totally with you. I had <sighs> mm-hmm. the best sleep of my life last night. All of which took place wearing a dream I was fired from a job I had <laughs> 10 years ago. Like, who cares? What? <laughs> Embarrassed. I'm embarrassed and broke from a job I haven't had or didn't like you at the time. <laughs> God damn it. It was so infuriating. I hate dreams That's now. They suck. Dream. They're yeah, never yeah. good anymore. Yeah. Ugh. Can never fuck right. Can never punch right. Can never stay employed. <laughs> it's like it's fucking bullshit. <laughs> so just like real life. Yeah, stop it. Stop. <laughs> I could take a class outside of a dream. <laughs> Uh, so on to the movie I've seen 200,000 times and will never recommend to another human being, uh, thanks to how it's been followed up. Yeah. This is a, this is technically a terrible, terrible biopic, Hmm. a terrible movie. Technically, I'm really glad that I'm not alone on that one. No. Yeah. It's, it's awful. Because I watch this movie. It's a biopic. I feel like I learned nothing about the person. Well, you know, then that might be the point. Me. (sighs) Yeah. That is the point. I don't think so. I don't think so. I, I like. I don't know. I, I grew up on Comedy Central, so there's like 16 better Andy Kaufman documentaries, and you'll learn way more about him and what was happening than in yeah. Man on the Moon. Well, the sure, o- but I mean, Man on the Moon does not. I mean, if you look at well, okay. In the interest of full disclosure, disclosure. <laughs> I am Jim Carrey. I- <laughs> As a long time. Sarah is uh, actually Paul Giamatti. She's been holding it back. You goddamn it! This goddamn fucking movie. <laughs> I can't believe I was in it. Now I have to talk about it 20 years later. Goddamn. I am Paul Giamatti. You are. I very much am. Paul uh, Giamatti in a nice dress. That's the <laughs> I've watched parts of this, but I have not watched all of it. But, I mean, knowing what a big fan that Jim Carrey was and knowing the idea of how like secretive and weird Andy Kaufman is, why mm-hmm. would he want to make a straight biopic about him? Why yeah. would he want to like reveal any secrets or, or pull back the curtain in any way? Mm. Why wouldn't you want to make something that's maybe going to make people only more intrigued about Andy Kaufman, make them seek out right. more clips and, and, this, and this stuff about this movie answered him. things that the Andy Kaufman docs that are like mm-hmm. directed by his wife, mm-hmm. like beat around and don't tell you because it, Wondering is more fun. Yeah. And there's just a scene of Jerry Lawler and Andy Kaufman and Danny DeVito, who, by the way, it's so funny to me in every scene in this movie, he's playing a much taller man. Every time he sits down on a couch, he like puts a pillow under himself. <laughs> it's, it's like something I never noticed him do before this. Like, I got to stay in frame also- with this actor. <laughs> It's also infuriating because we have a taxi reunion mm-hmm. with everyone except for Tony Danza, but Danny DeVito was on fucking taxi, yeah. and now he's playing a different character standing the on the set of taxi. Why? Oh, yeah. yeah. I totally forgot about that. Yeah. It, 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 it's re- and and um, huh. David Letterman, it's one of my favorite David Letterman moments in the world, oh, which they get him wonderful. to appear in the movie with Jerry Lawler and Andy Kaufman, and it's David Letterman, so you can't say... Dave, do it like you did before. <laughs> Make this funny like you did when when it was live. It, it's so disappointing that they don't just use the footage from the real show to me. Um, but but other than that, it's like it's so by the numbers. And this is off like this is after People versus Larry Flint, right? Yeah. And that movie is excellent. 
it's not a story yeah. of Larry Flint, like where he went to school and like what he cares about and his upcoming. It's about this incident that he went through with uh, the, the the courts going after him. And this movie is just about Andy Kaufman, and it sucks. Mm. I hate it. Uh, wow. I, I, Really? I do. That's not where I was expecting you to come out on this. Same, same, same. I've I've watched it 100,000 times. Um, It's just just a boring biopic. It's everything I hate about biopics. Hmm. And now that we have Jim and Andy, the documentary on Netflix about the making Mm. of it, something that, that, like you said, like pick a a way to do this. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not saying you should have been like film Jim Carrey trying out to be Andy Kaufman and like put that in the big movie for Christmas. But it should have been more experimental, and it should have been more Andy Kaufman-like, mm-hmm. and it should have tried to fool us a little bit. And there's nothing like that. Nothing. Well, I think it has to walk a thin line, honestly. I, I, I guess. But, like, why take one of the most interesting human beings of all time, who is basically a comedic magician, mm-hmm. and make the straightest biopic of him of, of all? You don't. They don't tell us anything. We don't learn anything about Andy Kaufman that you haven't learned from, like, a five-minute 2020 like an episode, yeah. like an any biography episode, tells you more about Andy Kaufman in this movie. It's it's the worst. I think it's I think it's terrible. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. It's, but it has it was... the the last great REM song in it. So true. It, yeah, it's wonderful. And, and listen, right beyond. Jim Jim Carrey is not fucking around. Mm-hmm. He becomes Andy Kaufman, mm-hmm. and I watched this back to back. Yeah, Man on the Moon, and then I watched Jim and Andy, mm-hmm. and. Jim and Andy does end up being kind of the better movie in a way. <laughs> Jim and Andy's <laughs> the better movie. It's terrifying because it's like you feel like, okay, well, he's really getting into the character, but he's also like Andy Kaufman torturing everyone around him to mm-hmm. do that. And I think the best moment ever in that is because sometimes he shows up as Tony Clifton and Tony mm-hmm. Clifton is obnoxious as fuck. Oh, no. Do we have the same favorite moment? Called, <laughs> and he wants to be called Tony Clifton. And there's a point where he starts being – he was – being Andy, but he starts being Tony Clifton again, and you can hear someone off screen yelling, "No, we don't want Tony back." <laughs> <laughs> she is like legitimately upset, like, "Oh Jesus, I can't fucking take it. Huh. We had enough Tony Clifton. Stop it. It's, Stop it, Jim." And again, the Jim and Andy documentary is about the movie directed by Andy Kaufman's real wife. That I think he there's some. It's that movie is not real either, but it's more fun to talk about because mm-hmm. I think they had an agreement because Jim Carrey doesn't fuck with the crew and he doesn't fuck with the press. He fucks with the actors, the people who are paid a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And I don't give a fuck about that. Mm-hmm. And I don't care if he looks like a dude. Well, okay with that. He he does fuck with the press at one point. Well, he says in terms he got of... injured while filming some of the wrestling where Andy Kaufman was injured. Sorry, he fucks with the paparazzi medium which is yeah. totally fine by me he doesn't fuck with fuck with a reporter mm. he doesn't he, he's yeah, not he's not hitting anybody he's he's and yeah that that scene of him is tony clifton with danny devito and it's behind the scenes and mm. he, danny devito's clearly uncomfortable because if we haven't said it <laughs> jim carrey apparently stayed in character the whole film and mm-hmm. but wanted to channel yeah. the weirdness of andy kaufman so sort of what he thought andy kaufman would do on a set like this and play pranks on everyone and he's dressed as Tony Clifton and talking to Danny DeVito. And he clearly can't be mean to Danny DeVito because he's a producer. So he's not doing uh, that. Uh-huh. Uh, and he's like, I'm your Tony Clifton. Nah, nah, nah. And he's like, yeah, I kind of wish Jim would have showed up more yeah. on this set. <laughs> and he just says this funny line. And yet he will get a majority of the credit. And <laughs> as, <laughs> as Jim Carrey as Tony Clifton. <laughs> it, it, it always makes Jim. Jim and Andy is a profoundly better film than Man mm, of the Moon. Okay. And you have access it's, to it if you have Netflix. It is so much yeah. better. But, uh, uh, I, I mean, yeah. It, uh, I mean, it's Man on the Moon is fun as 
a best of, mm-hmm. you know, and with some behind the scenes stuff. Like you could just watch I'm from Hollywood, which is about the wrestling stuff, which I think was I'm doing the soundtrack right now. Yeah. Um, but, you know, this does give you some of the behind the scenes of seeing like, no, he's intentionally trying to piss people off. But then we never really find out why. And I'd always heard, and maybe it's just apocryphal, that he would open as Tony Clifton to piss off an audience and then see if he could win them back as Andy Kaufman. But that never comes up in Man on the Moon. Hmm. No, the... He just trying to piss people off. And it's the late 70s telling a bunch of women they need to get back in the kitchen. That's just too fucking easy. That's not even a challenge to make women hate you by saying that. But like, you also have to re- something more creative. As a, as a wrestling fan, you have to remember the reason why those documentaries are amazing is because you didn't see that. You wouldn't have seen that in right. L.A. and I wouldn't have seen that in Florida. Mm-hmm. Like that was mm-hmm. that was only mm-hmm. shown in Memphis, and he's doing that. Jo- it's like Will Ferrell doing old Milwaukee commercials that he de- <laughs> that he demanded never be shown in any other market. They're hard to find on YouTube because he's like, don't show them to people. That's what this was. It was it was a local thing. It mm. was a real deep joke. I think because he had him. I, th- I think it's just having a partner, Bob Smuda, mm. who's is a good performance by Paul Giamatti. Um, um, mm. The fact they are entertaining themselves. I don't think there's any greater purpose. I don't think they're trying to achieve yeah. anything else. Mm-hmm. And I think there's certain people in the audience at the time who were in on it who didn't just know him in Taxi and thought that was funny too, like him yeah, showing up on a talk show and not trolling? being funny. I, think I mean, it's... isn't that just trolling? Can't can I just like walk down a street in Harlem and yell the N word and oh look, I triggered them? It's sure. Like, no, 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 no. You got do something. Do something with a little more pizzazz. Something mm. a little sneaky. Diana, this is an elaborate know? prank, though. This is a uh, numerous guest appearances where Tony Clifton shows up and Andy doesn't. The point where yeah. people are paying to see who they think because they're comedy nerds before the internet. Seriously, yeah, that's that, crazy. That I get, but like the wrestling thing of I want to make the audience hate me. Okay, but you're calling them all hayseeds and insulting all the women. It's like there's there's a better way to do it, and we never we never get any inkling of why he wants any attention, especially negative. Yeah, I think, and that would be really I, nice. And I don't want it with a nice little bow on it. I don't want it. It's like, Daddy, look at me, look, <laughs> and you know, well, yeah, and that I mean, explains everything. We just get a that. little something. We did get that a little bit at the beginning of the movie. Mm-hmm. Where he's like, oh, just that he's always been a performer. Yeah, and it's like, okay, and that's some fun, people but... are like that. And he's making it fun for yeah. him. And, and and Jim Carrey again in the in the documentary. I'm I'm not not worried about Jim Carrey, mm. Uh, mm. but but I love his perception of things. And Jim Carrey was always something somebody who who felt like it was his job to please everyone all the time. And he clearly talks about not knowing. No one gives a fuck about the real me, and I'm I'm a little curious to see what people would think, but I also know they don't want it. But Andy did that all the time, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and like also made you hate him in order to entertain you. It didn't really care to mm. what degree he. W- and the movie explores none of that. You're right; they they don't explore yeah. any of that because I don't think Andy Kaufman is anti woman. But if he if those clips emerge on the internet today, it'd be a fucking scandal. Mm. But but they didn't, and and like they didn't even yeah. like hit mainstream, well, my- and they, they, it was a joke well, my, for my- like two people. It, like yeah, three my, people my include Jay Lawler. Yeah, my complaint is not what he's saying is offensive. Mm-hmm. Is it's just so fucking easy. Mm. Diana, There's I, a lot. I need you to you watch need, some a little more the... wrestling in the seventies. <laughs> it is mostly like, oh man, ask a black wrestler from the eighties uh, or seventies if it was easy. It's all bad. It's all very well, bad. No, I'm mm-hmm. saying it's easy to piss off an audience mm-hmm. by saying. You know, or it's really easy to piss off women by saying the easiest anti-woman things you can right. say. 
Now, be a little tiny bit subtler with it. That's it's, all. It's Instead white. of saying women are stupid and worse than men, it's like, well, that's that's stupid. But but that's I don't know. that's why, as a wrestling fan, people boo you know, at John Cena, more, they boo at Hulk Hogan, bigger, they boo at Jerry Lawler. He was always the established hero, and he didn't have to elevate mm-hmm. the reason why he was a hero. The villain need to needed to elevate a reason why they needed to be attacked. That's how that mm-hmm. works. They set the stage, and the hero comes out and mops everybody. Hmm. And and and, yeah. and and Andy I just Kaufman want a knew the format. Degree of difficulty with my trolling. It was 30, 40 years ago. <laughs> I agree. It, it, it's it's not happening now, sort of. But, mm. uh, in that in wrestling, but uh, but I, that's the most fascinating. And then, what it's like ten? It's like twenty minutes of the movie. It is a long part. Long part of the movie. Actually, mm. they focus a lot yeah. on the wrestling. It is. In my opinion, before I even liked wrestling, the most fascinating thing Andy Kaufman ever did, because he it was a long con mm-hmm. for no one, yeah. for like for the Memphis <laughs> audience. Um, and please look up "I'm from Hollywood." It's on YouTube yeah. in full. It's not available on DVD. Directed by his wife, and so was the footage shot behind the scenes on Man of the Moon of Jim Carrey disappearing into the role of Andy Kaufman. I don't know how serious he is now, and then I don't know where the ruse is and isn't. But that is more Andy Kaufman than Man on the Moon, which is a by-the-numbers, paint-by-the-numbers biopic. It's not interesting. Hmm. If you've never seen it, you'll never like it. It, it, I would never recommend it. And I love Andy Kaufman. I love Jim Carrey's performance. Um, Because, well, I mean, there was one thing in Man on the Moon that I had forgotten was there that was really intriguing. The idea that um, while he's this agent of chaos where he likes to make everything go crazy and they do a nice reenactment of him like, destroying things on on fridays except they had norm mcdonald instead of michael richards i thought you'd like that Mm. Uh, um he was he was great in people versus larry flint yeah of ruin ruining a sketch and then there's being like haha no that was part of a joke and him being like no no i'm still i'm really mad this is not a joke that was but that he's such a chaos agent but was also into transcendental meditation yeah Mm -hmm. well like that that is a contrast i find fascinating that he wants quiet and serenity in his head and then throws that out to go fuck with people. I think you find that a lot with yeah. high performance comedians. I don't know, like people who, whose job it is to walk the tight wire of being funny for your entertainment. And yeah, like Gary Shandling. There you go. A yeah. lot of, a lot of people, David Lynch, David Lynch, like a, a lot of people. Yeah. Hey, sometimes it Creative just gets to me and I'm barely performing. Their brains are a buzz. <clears throat> And, that, and that's the kind of shit I wanted to see in the movie, and they don't delve into it even slightly. And there's like yeah. five Andy yeah, Kaufman movies, documentaries that are funnier, more entertaining, have better footage, and are, are, are so much better than this. And, and Yeah, you gr- learn more from. Yeah, yeah, and granted they got some of the – it is nice if you care about Taxi and Letterman that they are back to recreate those scenes. Fuck it. I don't yep. care. Like, mm. I don't care at all. Like, I hate – I don't hate this movie. It's ah. just like it's nothing. It's nothing. Yeah. It, I'd prefer any documentary than, than watching this film. No, oh. I don't know. Is it, you tell okay. me, Diana. Did you think it was good? I, you know, I hate biopics. I've, I've... Yeah, yeah. Um, I thought it was good. It it is often by the numbers, mm-hmm. but it's it's not by the numbers quite in the same biopic ways like that you used to see. I think that's it only only like, because it's a different. I just person. felt like a best of. It yeah. just felt like yes. they're recreating best of moments. Yeah. And they they have two moments in all the documentaries I'm talking about. They don't cop to no, at no point in any of the documentaries do they cop to Jerry Lawler and Andy Kaufman being in on it together mm. never yeah in this movie they do they recreate the scene where they're in cahoots and mm-hmm. that's what makes Jim and Andy all the better because 
Jim Carrey tries to beat up the real Jerry Lawler, and he's like, what the fuck? We were friends, and we planned all this. Why are you treating me like the on-screen version of us? I will fucking kill It's a, I say it. I say it as a reference no one gets, because Jerry Lawler, in real life, behind the scenes in Man on the Moon, grabs him by the neck, forces him down, and says, I can do this anytime. Anytime. Because Jim Carrey's joke wasn't going over well with Jerry Lawler, um, who I almost like. Um, but... Mm-hmm. But uh, fuck this movie. I don't know. Like Andy Kaufman is the best. I love Andy Kaufman. I love the song "Man mm-hmm. on the Moon." Me too. It's so good. Yep. But the Great Beyond is really, really good. And REM's one of my favorite bands of all time. If you haven't heard me say it on this show, I'll say it once again. If they would have quit ten years ahead of time, we'd talk about them like they were the fucking Smiths. Yeah. Instead, they kept mm-hmm. going and became very rich. And it's very strange. But REM rules, and this song's really yep. good. Um, and yep. The only reason I would say we should go out with Man on the Moon and not Great Beyond is because I had Great Beyond stuck in my head for three days after this movie. Mm. Mm-hmm. I'm breaking through. I'm bending spoons. And no, you're going to start it again. And, and they, they say in the documentary that um, every, all the cast came back to appear in the, do, in the music video when that was still a thing. Mm-hmm. And Jim Carrey's like, dude, I just cannot. Yeah. Be, <laughs> I, can't, I, I can't dress as that character again. Mm-hmm. And you were talking yeah. about award show moments and... MTV Movie Awards, Jim Carrey accepted award award as a different character while he was making Man on the Moon, channeling Andy Kaufman, and he's a hippie with long hair and a beard, and like just is is like full on making out. I think he grabs Cameron Diaz and just like full on like tongue kisses her Mm -hmm. in this character walking down the aisle. It's 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 weird. It's a really fun. It's really fun. It's so this movie is so much more fun for what it created behind the scenes than what it created in the camera, and that's why I don't like mm. it. Okay, um, and, and it's, mm. it's it's not a situation like a, a Island of Doctor Moreau either because that, that movie's a travesty. <laughs> this is just meh. Yeah. It's fine. It's okay. It's, it's fine. fine. Speaking of not yeah. fine, as we jump into the next movie, uh, a beyond excellent movie. Yeah. Um, Galaxy yeah. Quest. Love this movie. Did not get its due. Mm-hmm. No. But it has now. Yeah. It has I mean, now. It's I have not another one documentary. But I haven't seen this one yet. But I want to see it. Oh, the Galaxy Quest documentary? Yeah. Oh, there's a mm-hmm. Galaxy Quest documentary? Yeah. There like, there is. Mm-hmm. It's come around in this movie. And I, I was I think it was was I telling you guys I went to I went to college in St. Augustine, they had two theaters. Yeah. So I saw Galaxy Quest like fifty times. Right. And loved it. Yeah. And never never got tired of it. It's always fun. And the effects are amazing. It's the only thing I, I would say, like if this movie was made this year. It would have had the cast of Star Trek in it, and it would not be mm. a fake Star Trek cast. Well, man, hold on. Galaxy Quest is a movie yeah. about a Star Trek. Star Trek. I'm a little sick, and I've had two whiskeys. Um, <laughs> a Star Trek. Star Trek like. Yeah, avoid avoid esque. You're right. Yeah, yeah. Like cast uh, who is. Oh, what what is another movie like this where their their TV show is beamed into the heavens, so the aliens mm-hmm. assume they're actually starship. Uh, captains of starships, uh-huh. and they can solve all their problems. But they're actually just actors. Sam Rockwell is a red shirt. It's wonderful. <laughs> yeah. Um, look, if you don't know a lot of Star Trek shorthand, I don't know. How... I haven't seen a ton of Star Trek either, but you should know that if you're listening to a podcast. Yeah. And... You know what a red shirt is. Also, yes. just look it up. It's yeah, fine. Look it up. It's great. Yeah. Diana, you take this. I'm going to calm well, down. For why don't you bit. play the trailer? <laughs> okay. In the far reaches of the galaxy, a civilization is under siege. We are all that is left. 
They've searched the universe for a leader. Stay tuned for scenes from next week's Galaxy Quest. Never give up. Never surrender. He will save us. <laughs> what they got. Never give up. And never surrender. We're struggling TV actors. You are our last hope. Where's my limo? <laughs> And they're about to put on a command performance. Eight million light years away. We are actors, not astronauts. You are our protectors. That was a hell of a thing. Sorry, there I got it. It's three amigos in space. There, <laughs> there. That's what Galaxy Quest yeah. is. <laughs> oh, I forgot that it also has yeah. Enrico Colantoni and Missy Pyle in it. Two great that guy actors. Is the MVP of the film. He's and, great. And Tony Shalhoub. Yeah. They're yeah. they're they're so wonderful. I know. So wonderful. I really love Enrico. I can never think about his last name. Colin Tony. I really like him a lot. Every time it, he pops up in mm-hmm. something. It's the funniest the thing Alan Rickman has ever done. Mm-hmm. It's uh, the funniest thing that guy has ever done. It, it's so fucking funny. And it's like yeah. the world's slowly learning who Sam Rockwell is, who, right. who I just love so much. And, and, and Tim Allen yeah. sucks, and he's fine in this movie. And Sigourney Weaver yeah. is awesome and very hot in this movie. Yes. And <laughs> yeah. It's, it's yeah. ridiculous. And Alan Rickman yes. is the best straight man in the universe. Yes. He's yes. so good. I love his awful oh cap God. coming through his ears the whole time. It, uh, this this movie brings me great, 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 great joy. Yeah. And I think if, if someone was really yeah. smart, I think the Star Trek cast is too old. This is how you should reintroduce Firefly to everyone. Alien mm-hmm. should come down and mm-hmm. want Captain Malcolm Reynolds to sure. come solve everything. Oh, it would be so much fun. Yeah. So, yeah. So I haven't seen Never Surrender, the Galaxy mm-hmm. Quest documentary, because it was... Uh, it it was one of those like fathom events. It's a limited limited one night theatrical screening thing, but I guess they talked to Brent Spiner from mm-hmm. <laughs> Star Trek: Next Generation, who says that uh, they all loved it and they were like, "Damn it, we should have done that." Right. See, I think like, uh, yeah. I, I only say I only say that funny. because I think the Star Trek cast probably thought this movie was the funniest mm-hmm. because it mm-hmm. opens with them at conventions and like people always assume these were these characters and then people who come down with no perception of television assume that these characters right it's a good premise yeah for 14 people <laughs> to really laugh at <laughs> uh but uh yeah but the movie ends up being but like i can't get over the effects and the creatures in this film they're phenomenal oh yeah for being 20 years old mm-hmm. they're way yeah. too and good for, for this comedy a comedy mm-hmm. yeah they're they look really good to mm-hmm. this day did we do a commentary on this we might have Patreon.com slash laser time. But I, I watch this all the time. I watch this anytime it's on. I love Galaxy Quest. Love it's it. delightful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And show your kids. Yeah. It's just like a fun. I don't think there's anything objectionable in it that I can remember really. I Tim think. Allen. Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> that might be, sure. Sorry. Well, that's a little bit part of the problem is it was supposed to be uh, a little bit naughtier. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think Disney put some pressure on them and Tim Allen's people put pressure on them of like, this is Tim Allen. He is for families. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so like you can see Sigourney Weaver's mouth say uh, swear words a bunch of times that are dubbed. All right. and it's okay. like he didn't even reshoot it. You know what? There's he a, just That's her. cool. There's a bunch of shit we could do that with as people growing up watching 90s movies. You mm-hmm. can sort of see certain movies take back their R mm-hmm. uh, in, in editing. Well, I mean, yes, Tim Allen is the Santa Claus. 
This right? Is, At this point? Are you ready? Are you ready? Yes. Mm. This is the best Tim Allen movie of all time. Oh, it truly is. No one's going to argue yeah, with me. I get that. They, and I like the Santa Claus. Papa Jizzle. <laughs> but still, <laughs> this is definitely the best ow, one. Ow. I ripped my titty putting up fucking Christmas ornaments, so I may as well be a real life Tim, Tim Allen. Ow. <laughs> You're a real life ow. Tim Allen. Ow. Oh, we um, watched Galaxy. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> Yeah, it's so tough when we hit like a really good movie, especially a comedy. Like, there's only so many ways we can say like, and yeah. this part's funny too. Yeah. This part's really funny. I mean, Alan Rickman's reading of if I grab Thor's hammer, <laughs> what a saving! We did when the when the 2016 <laughs> Ghostbusters came out. We did a Laser Time episode. The sister shared this one that's more thematic about effects based comedies. It's very mm-hmm. rare that they work. Mm-hmm. Ghostbusters is one of the only notable exceptions, and so is this. Mm-hmm. Because the yeah. effects in here are like, in 99 when CG, it was ubiquitous, but it's still like kind of less than 10, it's like less than 10 years old, and like, dude, those those planet effects, those spaceship effects, those alien effects are all really good. Yeah. And they, they're needlessly yeah, they really good, good for a comedy, because yeah. they don't have to be good for what this movie's trying to do well, and they are. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is one of the only good comedy, high comedy, high effects movies I've ever seen. It's it's good across the board. It's it should be talked about like Ghostbusters. It's it's excellent. Uh, Galaxy yeah. and Quest. it's it eventually found its audience, yeah. but yes. it bombed at the box office. This just just died. Yeah. Oh, yeah. it and didn't I, make its money back. I was not a pioneer. We we lived in a small town that didn't change its movies for a whole semester. So we had we had to go see this over and over again. Oh yeah, no, yeah. I remember mm-hmm. definitely oh, wait, seeing it this. Barely made its money back. Mm-hmm. This I is take that back. It barely made its money back. Much but bigger in home video, so I think. Yeah, exactly. It became a word of mouth type thing. And yeah. Yeah, I think about Sam Rockwell's uh, big line in this all the time. Just about any time I'm watching sci-fi. Just like, don't go out there. Is there air? You don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yep. yep. Uh, see Galaxy Quest, everyone. Yeah, it's a great one. Yeah. Uh, a lot of recommend. Well, no, we narrowed it down. This is like the, our big recommend. Two Galaxy recommends Quest. to yeah? throw in the trash. Yeah. This yeah. and this and talented Mr. Ripley. Yeah. Yeah, and maybe yeah, Wack very very different movies. <laughs> and uh, I don't know, 1999 television. Got one thing for you in TV. Yeah, what is yeah, that? Yeah, on the 20th, National Geographic presents Adventures in Time, the Millennium Special, which is basically just. Spaceship Earth, the television program, but it was kind of presented to, I was reading some reviews of it, and it was kind of presented as a way to to just basically be like, calm down, everyone. The year 2000 is (laughs) coming, but we've all been doing this for a long time. We're going to survive. It's going to be okay. What if my watch doesn't work? (laughs) It's basically, yeah, like a look back from the beginning of time, basically, of like, you know, evolution and da-da-da it was kind of put out there to calm everyone down in the face of the year 2000. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's not going to Conan reference. Uh, video games of 1999, you'll have to tune into the um, Patreon version of the 302010 video game show to find out that there aren't any. They're just mm-hmm. not. Unless you're in Japan, so enjoy your Shenmue, which no one did. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and we'll close out this segment with Man on the Moon by R.E.M. because Diana demanded it. I would have beat... I would have vetoed it. Great beyond a second. But uh, Man on the Moon is so it's such a good song, too. And, yeah. and, and an excellent music video. Um, I love it so much. And uh, we'll close up with that. When we come back, we'll be in 2009. Stay right there, because the movies uh, are equally incredibly worth talking about. If you believe, they put a man on the moon. Man on the moon. 
Mr. and Mrs. Internet and all the ships at sea, it's time for the Diana's Classic Corner. We're looking even further back in time this week to see if there's anything worth a watching. And for the week of December 20th through 26th, happy Christmas, everybody. I've got some good Christmas time recommendations for you. Uh, well, one of them's a Christmas movie and one of them isn't. Okay, um, the other one's only nominally a Christmas movie. Anyway, these are ones when you got the whole family around and you got like your great aunts and uncles and grandma and old people and stuff. They're movies that the old people will enjoy and I think the youngsters will enjoy them pretty much too. So let's start with 75 years ago this week, uh, December 14th, saw the release of National Velvet starring uh, Mickey Rooney, Liz Taylor, Angela Lansbury when she was young and cute. And if you think Liz Taylor was like, oh man, that's an old timey star. She's a million years old. I will remind you, Angela Lansbury is the older sister and she looks it. <laughs> But it's a sweet story. It's the adaptation of a book about kids and their horse and they love the horse and then they race the horse and everyone is just charming and adorable in it. And it's like, I don't know, it's just sort of soothing comfort food. It's like visual comfort food. But, you know, especially if you got little girls around who like horses, like, I don't know, maybe they'll go for it. I don't know. And then I'm going to fudge, I'm going to fudge dates by two weeks here. So... I just really wanted something Christmas related in for this week. And I'm sorry, but Three Caballeros does not do it, nor does the debut of The Glass Menagerie on stage. So let's go with almost 80 years ago this week, saw the release of The Shop Around the Corner, which is one of my favorite Christmas movies uh, directed by Ernst Lubitsch, starring Margaret Sullivan and James Stewart. We talked about this. I think I probably ranted about it when we talked about You Got Mail because You Got Mail is a remake of Shop Around the Corner. It's uh, the story of a bunch of people who work in a Budapest department store and they're sort of intersecting lives. And then there's this couple that like, they don't really get along. They sort of butt heads, but it turns out they're actually pen pals too. They just don't realize it. And they're, like, they're falling in love with the pen pals, but they're butting heads in person. And it's all just, it's got lots of colorful characters and ends up being very sweet and uh, a really, really heartwarming ending at Christmas that just... Uh, it it kicks me in the chest, man. I, they totally get me. It's it's just so sweet. So, yeah, if you've never seen it, I mean, Turner Classic Movies has run it like a bunch of times through December, and I really appreciate that because it is endlessly watchable and charming and fun. Lots of little business all going around. And then in the end, kind of a sweet romance story about people like maturing and becoming nicer to each other. Shop around the corner from 1940, and that's it for this week. Stay classic. <laughs> Coming to uh, 2009 with Forever by Drake featuring Conway, Lil Wayne, and Eminem in the most star-studded music video I've ever seen. If by star-studded you mean very recognizable logos <laughs> that will make you miss MTV when record labels were able to pay for their own music videos. Holy shit, there's a lot of logos in this. Yeah. <laughs> it opens with him lifting a Beats by Dre PC. <laughs> yeah, and then it just flashes to a whole row of Ciroc. It's so... Mm-hmm. It's so crass. Wild. It's so crass. Um... Anyway, uh, welcome, Drake, to the 302010 fold. I'm not sure if he's been here 
It, it, yeah, I don't think we've opened with a Drake song yet. Maybe? I think not. Might have a while ago. Okay. I mean, technically this is a Drake song, but it's on Eminem's Relapse colon Refill. Because mm-hmm. mm. um, it was actually only released as part of the soundtrack to More Than a Game. Which was a movie. A documentary about LeBron James. Right. Okay. Uh, But also some new music releases. So if you didn't want to buy that soundtrack, this is a way to finally get that song. Yay. Back if you cared about albums, which no one did in 2009. What am I even talking about? New music releases from Behaviors by the Cold, the Cold War Kids uh, and the self-titled and final album from Mudvayne. Ooh, it feels like a passing of the guard, doesn't it? <laughs> Say about a Mudvayne. <laughs> Eat your Drake. Uh, the compilation album, uh, We Are Young Money and Unleashed by Hurricane Chris, a, w- a name I wish I would have thought of earlier. <laughs> and uh, Stronger Than Ever by Mary J. Blidge. Uh, Empire State of Mind by Jay-Z and not Alicia, Alicia Keys at all is still number one mm. uh, yes and this is Diana's news Diana picked the news for this one wow <laughs> yep um, I'm trying to get into like podcasting and internet no, related news and so funny uh, on the on Christmas Eve Merry Christmas skeptics <laughs> DMT the, fans DMT fans because the Joe Rogan experience is on the air uh, the first podcast launches. First guest is comedian Brian Redband, otherwise known as the guy who edits Joe Rogan shit. Mm. Uh, and, and he was, he says later fired. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah. His guest is his producer and then he later fired him. Band is in his name. It was bound to happen. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but the Joe Rogan experience, a show I hate talking about yeah because I'll listen mm-hmm. to clips of it. He has fascinating guests, and I think Joe Rogan is a fuck up. <laughs> is he just kind of a ding dong? He's I yeah. think he's I a, like... he's a stoner who reads a lot of stuff that he's interested in. He doesn't read a lot about what's going on or how people fit into the culture. And right. he's, he's pitched people to come on who are interesting, and they're always interesting whether I agree with them or not. But I. And he's nice and perceptible and a good interviewer, and he doesn't ask terrible people the right question. And he lets them get away with yep. fucking murder every time they're yep. on. And will like people who are genuinely dangerous to our society, he mm. will respond with, "Whoa, yeah. he has six <laughs> producers who can Google shit and tell them that's not true, that didn't happen, and doesn't usually, but occasionally he'll do, he'll not do that. But like, it is very popular, and it's hard to look away from." And I don't hate Joe Rogan. I just don't. I love this dude got all this fuck you NBC money mm-hmm. and can sort of say and do whatever he wants in this little podcast ecosystem. And I think that's ultimately what, you know, podcasters can't not look up to Joe Rogan because he did his thing and he won. Yeah. Uh, but but I wish seems I, very credulous. I wish he was a little more responsible. Yes. I think I wish with millions of people listening, you could hire one gung-ho intern to research what people are saying live and call them on their bullshit. Yeah, That's it. He's like a freshman philosophy student. Yes, yes, he is. You're, telling, <laughs> Every guy you're telling me we've all been lied to? Yes, Joe. Jesus Christ. Add some nuance to this conversation. Every guy I ever met who in any of my philosophy classes who were really into that uh, legalized marijuana club <laughs> at FSU. Do you remember that one? No. I can't remember. No, but I, but it, it, but yeah, it, that's that's who he reminds me of. No, it, it but it, it's why one of those reasons. Like I like people like uh, what's his name? Uh, Doug. Uh, Doug loves movies. Yeah, Doug Benson. When he oh. he did a, a documentary Benson, about yeah. marijuana, and then goes to meet a marijuana legalization expert, and just like 
oh shit, I don't want to talk about this at all. Yeah. I don't care. <laughs> I don't want to be around these people at all. I'm like, me neither. Let's not film this. And yeah. he didn't. And he just left <laughs> and went to go do something funny. And uh, I think Joe Rogan's perfectly funny enough to be a comedian. Um, I like his perspective, but that show can be dangerous. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and, well, because and- he, he gives a platform to terrible people. Mm-hmm. And most people say, like, well, if you give people a platform, you know, free speech is about showing how fucking stupid you are. It's like, yes. yeah, but not if the host who's popular is, like, agreeing with you because he doesn't know better because he's really high. Mm. Yes. Which which is oh, fine. So the Jews are reptilians who control everything. Whoa! Oh wow! Whoa! Oh, that's Bri- interesting. Brian, that's really don't, interesting. Red Band, don't Google that. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not look into that at all. But but maybe I, I don't know. Maybe he's Machiavellian. And he knows that that works. Maybe he oh, just doesn't that's care. Gotta be maybe it. he wants to. Well, I think having listened to the show a little I, more, I think maybe he wants to make his guests feel comfortable and say whatever the fuck they want, so he doesn't challenge them. Because hmm. that's why they do yeah. three hours at a time. You can't confront someone every sentence and have them sit around for three hours. It's not Congress. It's the Joe Rogan experience. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. and so, so like uh, kudos to him in a way, but it also like terrifies me. Mm-hmm. And I believe the Atlantic <laughs> called it the show for people who know nothing, who think they know everything. Ooh. And, mm. and that is the most apt description I've ever heard. Yeah. Of it. And it's, it's where a lot of dark web horseshit hides. And to me, it gets put into my ray of sunlight where like, if I was talking to you in person, you would, I would never let you get away with saying that, uh-huh. and I would show you proof that yeah. you're wrong. And Joe doesn't, and that's fine. <laughs> Different strokes. <laughs> uh, don't hate it, don't love it. Uh, kind of like it, but uh, embarrassed to say yeah. so. Seriously, that's where we are. Uh, welcome, to, <laughs> welcome to the 2000s, where there statements like that become more common. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, gosh. I hate Bill Maher, <laughs> but I can't stop watching his show. Um, <laughs> that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, Avatar is number one at the box side. <laughs> Speaking of big fucking surprise. <laughs> oh god, my heart. Oh. Mm. You know what? Never mm. mind. <laughs> yes. Yeah, speaking of conflicted statements, Avatar is number one at the box office. Yeah. Um, yeah, Chris, you want to tell us for about fifty minutes how you feel about that? No, no. Because oh, no. I'm not allowed to talk about a movie for fifty minutes. That's never happened before. <laughs> No, so, because, sorry. I thought it was fun. Sorry if I blew <laughs> your mind, audience. <laughs> no, it's because you you said the same thirty seconds of material for fifty minutes. I'm not a smart person. I never well, told you to listen to me. I, in your face. I'm not coming from an area of authority. I didn't even watch the movie. It's <laughs> almost oh, your fault okay. for continuing to listen. Oh, victim blaming, are oh. we? Yes, I am. Oh, but it's please, my fault. please keep up. Not you. Oh, it's my fault. You're yelling at me. No, it's the thousands of people supporting us. With listens and money. <laughs> what am I saying? I thought it was fun. Um, but yes, uh, speaking of movies, we can all agree on are great. Uh, American Pie presents oh. the one of three Book of Love, <sighs> the straight to video American Pie trilogy. There's a lot of American Pie movies. Still has Eugene yeah. Levy in it. Though? There are more. Uh, who? Yep. Yep. Uh, it has Jim's He's in dad. All of them. Yeah. yeah. Eugene yeah. Levy. I think his name is revealed in one of these movies, and we just didn't mm. see it. Uh, but he's mm. he's more he's than lost just Jim's to the dad. Sands of time. Book of Love. Uh, is this the first one, second one? No one cares. Don't care. Don't care. I'm with you. Why? Oh, my God. Nine. Oh, my God. Nine. Oh, my God. I don't want to talk about this. The second movie called Nine that we have talked about in 2009. Mm -hmm. That's really fun to Google, you sons of bitches. (laughs) Yeah. And this is the one one my sister was in a play of before it became a movie. Mm. Uh I don't want to hear this this again. this one has amazing... 
this one has an amazing cast. It's not made of a little sack guy who's animated and stuff. But uh, I hated it. <laughs> yeah. I This you, was a Sarah go on a solo bolo date by myself yeah. to go see it. And I was so bored. And yeah. I love now, musicals. Yeah. You know I, that. I like... I like musicals. It's directed by the guy who did Chicago. Right. I really love Chicago, the Same. movie. And it is a, a musical adaptation of Fellini's Eight and a Half. Right. This yep. shit is made for me. And mm-hmm. it stars Daniel Day motherfucking Lewis. Mm-hmm. It's got fucking Sophia Loren in it and Marion Cotillard and Penelope Cruz and Dame Judi Dench. And Fergie. All and your favorites. Fergie and Nicole Kidman and Kate Hudson. Uh... I did not care for this movie. I don't think anybody did. Neither did Nobody anybody. Did. No, it and, got and savage reviews. From yeah. the perspective of my my sister did this play like years before. Like this was mm-hmm. sort of a, a theater splash. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot was expected of it as a result of that. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, here we yeah. Are. I mean, Chicago won Best Picture for mm-hmm. Crane yeah. Out Loud mm-hmm. up against Gangs in New York. I mean, right. come on. Another terrible and got, movie. And it's. Well, also, but it's got Daniel Day Lewis. <laughs> I know. Daniel Day Lewis is doing a, a movie. musical. Mm-hmm. Okay, got yeah. This pedigree where it won I'm a, a bunch song of and dance man. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's got a it's got a great pedigree, and then they adapt it, and I don't know what the hell happened. Yeah, where it seems like they removed like half the songs. Reading up on what's in the stage version mm. versus the movie, mm. that doesn't help. I, and then here's the thing that just just baffles me. Okay, because eight and a half the the movie, the Fellini movie, is about. A filmmaker trying to make a movie mm-hmm. now in this version the musical numbers take place not they're not like live musical numbers they're like on a stage separate somewhere else they're like imaginary musical numbers mm-hmm. which is what happened what they did in chicago but chicago was about a woman who wanted to be on stage so it made sense there mm-hmm. this is about a film and you're doing stagey numbers that are on a stage why yeah it's really... Per- Why are you doing that? It's very confusing. Why are you not using film as film, as the medium of film, to be able to do something very, very different mm-hmm. instead of doing something very samey? <sighs> I wish this movie was dead. It was very boring. I remember being mm-hmm. very upset about it, except for mm-hmm. the song Be Italian. <laughs> Be Italian is great. Yes. There that are two one number is my... F- and don't forget about to be Italian now. Am <laughs> yeah. I doing a good job? Pretty much. Am I, am I having? Yeah. Uh, check no, the tablecloths and big <laughs> I can do all That's this. That's pretty much it. That's mm-hmm. all you need. Yeah. Yeah. You and Yo, your I'm, wife I'm, have I'm... matching mustaches. <laughs> and, 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 like, <laughs> no. Chris and so... Pista, come at me. At me. See what happens. Yeah. Fungu. I, I'll add another one. <laughs> Penelope Cruz's number, uh-huh. a call from a call from the Vatican. Both be Italian and a call from the Vatican. I recommend you actually look up on YouTube and yeah. just watch those. Agree, yeah. agree, because agree. Penelope Cruz's number is so sexy. I'm pretty sure it moved me on the Kinsey scale. Ooh. Oh yeah, oh, like yeah. holy shit! And That's... yeah, Fergie slays that number. Be Italian. Be Italian. Mm-hmm. The rest of this movie, honk shoe, honk so shoe indeed. <laughs> So disappointed. Yeah, me too. Um, I love you, Sophia Loren. Me too. I love you, uh, Fergie. And, and <laughs> Fergie Ferg? Yeah, Fergie. Um, yeah, Flossie Flossie. Uh, but also, 
Alvin and Chipmunks the Squeak. We never played the trailer from it. Um, uh, but Alvin the Chipmunks the Squeakle. Jason Lee, I believe, is sick. <laughs> uh huh. Mm-hmm. Have you not seen this movie? No. Why? Why would? Why I? would I do that? Dave is sick, and they keep the movie going with a new Dave. Uh, it's very weird. And David Cross has had the most to say about this movie. Uh, well, the, the next movie as a, as one of its participants and. Zach Levi is the new Dave, and uh, Justin Long is Alvin, but this does introduce the Chipettes. Oh, good lord. There have been many great sequels. There have even been prequels. Now, get ready for the world's first squeakquel. Christmas. Alvin, are you boys behaving? Have a little faith, Dave. What was that? Uh, cheese ball? The chipmunks are back. The crowd goes crazy. <laughs> Alvin. Make room for the love doctor. Aww. All right, enough, 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 enough. Ew. Look, this made almost half a billion dollars. Yeah. Stop it. And remember, it's not owned by a mega corporation. It's owned by this mom and pop studio. <laughs> Who get to keep... Oh, hats off to the Bagdasarians. But again, like uh, I, I've defended the chipmunk adventure here. Like The chipmunks works when you're young, no matter what your age is. And it's going to be annoying when you're not in the demographic. Mm-hmm. It just That's always the way mm-hmm. it's going to work. The 60s chipmunks gross me out. The 90s, 80s, 90s ones make me happy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the 2000s ones make me want to uh, riot against Hollywood. Okay, but but I, I remember it was it was Brad who you, who used to do the show with it. He would see this with his his, his uh, nieces and nephews, and like they loved it. And it's why wouldn't they love little cartoon characters singing songs they hear on the radio? That's like true. that's why wouldn't they? It's yeah. it's not it, it that's why it's still relevant. It's this weird weird owl principle. Like as long as there's still new music, chipmunks can sing it, and yeah. um and and why not? But these movies are horrible, and I think in my industry, this is a just personal insight. For some reason, they're like reading magazines at one point. It's all the magazines me and my friend worked on, and they had to call and like ask everyone's permission. And hmm. so, like, hey, we're in the we're in the sequel. <laughs> so, like, there's a thing I did that's in the Chipmunks movie that's somewhere cool. that I've never I've never seen it. You're I don't part of the Chipmunk verse. I guess I think it's a, an article. Uh, my editor was like, "It's too late to cut this." And, <laughs> Now it's in the squeakle. But, but wow, you're famous. Uh, yeah, very very famous. Uh, not as famous as Ugh. I will. Can be. we talk? A, can we talk about movie films for adults? Yes, because we got three of them. Are you ready, Diana? Like Diana, how many times have I seen Casablanca? Dozens. I do my I, I do know. my film business. Uh, I want to sh- give a uh-huh. shout out to J.R. Rawls. I thought that was a really fun experiment mm. he put mm. on the Laser Time community. The films uh, adjusted for inflation um, that have made the most money, like call out the number of where you, the first one you haven't seen. And I was mm-hmm. shocked because like eight is Dr. Zhivago for me. I would have made it to 50 mm. if I'd seen Dr. Zhivago and mm-hmm. I haven't. The, mm-hmm. the idea that Dr. Zhivago was like the Avengers of 1965 is bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And, and, and Diana, I think you said you were like in the 90s. Like the, I made it to 95, Swiss Family wow. Robinson. And so I've seen Casablanca yeah. a ton of times. I don't have – I will – if a movie is revered throughout history, I usually will make the point to see it. And Dr. Zhivago is a secret shame, but so is Up in the Air. Oh, 
It, 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 it oh, looks like the movie, movie I would love the most and I have not seen. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. I love yeah. this movie. I love Jason Reitman. Honestly, yeah, me, me too. Yeah. I think he's fantastic. Can do no wrong, honestly, mm-hmm. in my eyes. And I talk about him very glowingly in our uh, an upcoming Laser Time, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, yeah, this movie is just. I, I have nothing bad to say about it. I think it has like adult adults talking about adult things, having adult experiences, without it being mm-hmm. dour and just the right amount of sad. Mm. And I am here yeah. for that. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. Exactly. That's why I said it's a grown-up movie for grown-ups. Yeah, it's so. Um, yeah, so up in the air. Do you want to explain what it's about? Sure. I love it. It's great. It's about um, <laughs> George Clooney plays a executive who works for a company who specializes in firing people, and so he has to travel throughout the country, fire going to various companies that are uh, letting go their employees, and he does. The letting go process, and he's well, whole life. Sky yeah, his whole life is built around not being at home. Mm. He lives. He's a road dog, and he just travels. And he meets up with a woman one day in a hotel bar, who's played by Vera Farmiga, and they kind of have a fling. But then Anna Kendrick comes in as this new hotshot uh, recruit who is kind of going to revolutionize how they do their business. And she wants to implement a situation where you can fire people remotely. And so he decide he asks that she be, she come along with him on his firing trips to really see how it's done because you can't just throw people away. You know, there's definitely a human aspect to it that needs to be done. And it's just a movie that says a lot of things, especially about mm-hmm. 2009 and the um, yes. state of the United States and the economy at that point. It is very, yeah. very, this, yeah. This could not have come at a better time unless mm-hmm. it came exactly one year before. Cause uh-huh. we're, we're one year into the great recession. Uh, a lot of people have been laid off. I was laid off. Um, and we're, we're wondering where bottom is and bottom hasn't shown up yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, but it's about like corporate culture and traveling and having an, having something more to your life than your job what how does your job influence your life like how much of a percentage of it should mm-hmm. be and has like a ton of other great people in it just these oh, little yeah. parts melanie linsky danny mcbride zach alfanakis jk simmons jason bateman. sam elliott because he has he has, jason a, bateman. he has an around the world in 80 days kind of character where he's just meeting people where he lands and mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> yeah and yet but, also completely but isolated it's not because mm-hmm. Yeah, because around the world in 80 days, he's traveling towards something. He's making progress. Mm-hmm. And this George Clooney, he's just going back and forth and back and forth to all these different places, but he's never mm-hmm. really going anywhere. And when you do see where he actually lives, which mm-hmm. he's never at, it's like the most depressing thing you've ever seen. Yeah. I, I think I'm, I thought he has no life. I thought this was uh, sort of idolized by certain people like me. The idea of like, I don't live anywhere. So this is what I'm going to say yeah. is that I think this movie for me is a very good barometer of my mental where my mental health mm. is because mm. when this lifestyle mm. starts looking really attractive to me I know now that I am not in a good place huh. because it's a very nihilistic mm. way of I, living I was, I was younger yeah and uh, I, I still love traveling uh, for mm-hmm. no reason but I don't want to do this job <laughs> at mm-hmm. all but uh, but the idea of like not having a home base of operations and moving all the time mm-hmm. like that that wasn't that was something most people had it as a career, like 50% of people in like the 1800s, like moved 
yeah. to wherever the career was. Oh, yeah. At the mm-hmm. time when this came out, this looked like yeah. a great no living roots, situation. Baby. Yeah, just like... My bank account stays steady and I, I move. I'm baby. in the air all the time. Um, there's a great... Actually, it's I think it's probably in the trailer, if you want to play the trailer, mm-hmm. the scene sure. of him talking about traveling. You mad at your computer? I type with purpose. Last year, I spent 322 days on the road. You're awfully isolated the way you live. Isolated? I'm surrounded. I'm Alex. I'm Ryan. What kind of relationship do you have? Casual. Sounds pretty special. I am a passenger. What are you doing this weekend? You want me to be your date to your sister's wedding? It's not like I know her that well. Up in the air, we get on. Life's better with company. Everybody needs a co-pilot. That was a nice touch. It's so good. I mean, this is also one of the movies where you're like, yeah, George Clooney is the real deal. Right. He uh, just does mm -hmm. it so well. Yeah, whenever he's he's never in a movie that like I consider I'd watch over and over again or I love, but he Mm -hmm. he brings so much to movies like this and like The Descendants and Yeah. And he he's I don't know, wonderful man. So towards the beginning that it shows like a montage of him mm-hmm. packing and going through the airport as efficiently as possible. And it is borderline erotic to me. <laughs> like seeing <laughs> just how efficient he is with all of that. It's like, yeah, that's good. That does it for mm-hmm. me. For real. I traveled every other weekend and it was not sexy. Bring the sandals. You don't <laughs> want to take off your socks and shoes. Yeah. Uh, no belts. Mm-hmm. Let the pants go down. Uh- <laughs> mm-hmm. The world's your butt crack. It's yeah, fine. It's- They've seen worse. Yeah, it's... Um, I just can't recommend this enough. It's just so, so precisely made, mm-hmm. you know? I think with the dust settles in yeah. this, this decade in film, like movies like this will emerge as like, no, these are the gems mm-hmm. in this new sequel and franchise world. We have interesting things like Up in the Air happening and, and getting major releases during Christmas. And Anna Kendrick is great. This is the first time she we see her outside of Twilight, mm-hmm. I think. Um, yeah. and this- Scott Pilgrim. That yeah, that's true too. And she's uh she's so great. My only quibble with this movie is that there is a little bit because she is this like young woman who's like coming in and she's very go gettery and stuff, there is some like gross oh millennial sneering a little bit towards her um that's done that i don't love um and there is a a little bit of some antiquated ideas about love and relationships with specific specifically towards what women allegedly want out of that sort of stuff Mm -hmm. that i found to be icky but it's a very small part big d in a shiplap apartment yeah yeah Mm -hmm. (laughs) exactly yeah well i I actually kind of think it it blows up some of those ideas and that like you you assume because someone's a woman they want this sort of thing that turns out "Mm, no Mm -hmm. no women can be players yo Mm -hmm. yeah that's why sarah's been around me for like 20 years saying that's not what women want it's true yeah. Didn't know. Here is a check on your <laughs> on your for, for twenty five years. <laughs> oh, I've been here for thirty years. <laughs> <laughs> but this is like, even though I haven't seen this, mm-hmm. I've read so much about it, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I, I really wanted to see this. But I was at a point where it was hard for me to see movies in the theater, and it was having a tough financial time. Wow. And it didn't, and I didn't have cable, and didn't hit any. Streaming services, but I've always wanted to see it. It's this is a wonderful movie, absolutely yeah. wonderful. It's it's and very sexy. Watching. It's not it's not a major downer. It does have some laughs in it, um, but you know it's th- full of interesting characters, and you mm-hmm. just get to spend a bunch of time with them as they deal with these various challenges. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a fucking film for grownups, man. Yeah. And this but might not have been sad. one of not, the first like, depressing. This might have been one of the first times I saw Melanie Linsky too, who I absolutely adore and she's just oh, man. elevates everything she's love in. Love her. Yeah. She's all wonderful. I go all the way back to Heavenly Creatures with her. I mm-hmm. fucking love her. Mm-hmm. Oh, that 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 woman. I like her. Yeah. She was yeah. in that Duplass show that wasn't very good. It was no. okay. Mm-hmm. I liked it. <laughs> I don't remember what it was called. Togetherness. Um, yeah. She was okay mm-hmm. in it. Right. This movie looks terrible. The next movie looks terrible. Ugh, <laughs> this movie. Which has exclusively I have, people I, I like. Interest- you know, my feelings about it are reflected in the title. Yeah. I mean, that's true. That's stuff. Yeah. I could agree with which that. Is, which is complicated. Because it's, it's about it's complicated. It's complicated. I hope you didn't understand that sentence. Because I don't understand this movie. Oh. It's complicated. Starring Mel Streep, Steve Martin, and Alec Baldwin. Jane and Jake used to be married until he cheated with Agnes. Now they're married, but he still has feelings for Jane. I've never really known how to live without you. You're not. It turns out I'm a bit of a slut. This is wrong. I like that you stopped getting bikini waxes. So wrong. And just when it couldn't get any more complicated... You brought me a gift. Thank I you. That it did. Oh. I'm sorry. I'm not. It's complicated. OMG, I thought he'd never leave. This film is not yet rated. So, so where do you stand on Up in the Air as movies for adults? Mm. <laughs> with, <laughs> faced with this pablum of like... <laughs> a movie clearly made like, we don't care if kids see this movie. It's supposed mm-hmm. to be for the yeah. old people at Christmas. It's for the olds. Yeah. A romantic comedy with Meryl Streep and Steve Martin. Like I feel like I feel uh, like I've gotten it's, too old. Well, first of all, it's really Meryl Streep and Alec Baldwin. Right. Steve Martin is wasting yeah. this movie. Is they he? do not use yes. him enough. The poster has them yes. all in the same bed. He he's is so good in this, this movie. And he's the best part, honestly. Yeah. <sighs> he's great. Okay, go ahead, Diane. All right, so here's, so yeah, they explained it pretty well in this. Meryl Streep and Alec Baldwin are exes, and then they start hooking up. And here's the parts that I like. I like, I like them going back and looking at like, there's a reason that you're together as a couple, and there are reasons why you break up. And over time, like you will start to remember the reasons that you were together. And also, when they're apart, they're growing as people. And they like where they've both grown, or at least Meryl Streep really has grown mm-hmm. so much as a person that Alec Baldwin basically falls in love with her all over again because she doesn't need him anymore. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting. And I like, you know, movies about like the romantic lives of older folks who like to fuck. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Good for them. But Steve Martin is wasted. We don't need him. We don't need his plot and uh i would be a giant hypocrite if i didn't yell like i did about bicentennial man about how all these people are giant millionaires <laughs> who can just throw hundreds of thousands of dollars around on a whim yeah yeah, yeah. meryl streep runs like a bakery cafe i think and all her children have moved out of the house but she is expanding it yeah. why do you expand the house now that the kids are out i think <laughs> she's i think she's supposed to be a ina garten um barefoot contessa type if you look I at guess. that kind of her, the the shop and everything, this is and not a segment I should be involved yeah. in. Yeah, I'm, I'm convinced. And she she cooks so much, and she can just do it with magic. I am assuming magic. Yeah. Oh yeah, uh, she has. Yeah. She takes Steve Martin to her shop, and they make chocolate croissants in like Croissant? in an hour. Which, mm. by the way, I've seen yeah. a lot of the Great British Baking Show. Okay, <laughs> it's not that easy. <laughs> um, also, while they're stoned, which is. 
Okay. <laughs> things I like about where this everything movie. Everything takes longer. The whole, the whole thing where they're stoned, I find very funny and charming because it's Steve yeah. Martin. Steve Martining. Yeah. And I'm into Steve that. Steve Martin's stoned face yes. is so funny. So good. It's he can't even giant see. Giant grin. His eyes are fully closed. And he can't closed. even see his eyes. It's <laughs> wonderful. You could, I could say the opposite. No one has done a bigger disservice fucking uh, status quo anti-drug PSA than Steve Martin and Whenever he does drugs in Out of Towners, Father of the Bride 2, that, and he I just want to so have a Han Solo mean, that's not what drugs do. Like, <laughs> it looks so much fun. Well, he took acid. Let's fuck her. Like, what? <laughs> Consult someone who's done acid. Like, no one wants to fuck on acid. This, uh, so this is a Na- Nancy Myers joint, which is why the kitchens oh, yeah. are all so fancy Amazing. and everyone's so very white. Um, yes. Perfect and- island. Awesome backsplash. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. And so it is eyeball porn. The whole movie is. (laughs) Lots of flowing linen pants and those cardigans (laughs) that don't have buttons and they just wrap around you cozily. Mm -hmm. Love that. Love Mm -hmm. all of that. It's just so gross because it's just (laughs) these white people, these rich privileged people like with their dumb problems and and the only i will say this though i mean if you're gonna watch a movie about whiny like privileged rich people Mm -hmm. watch this instead of any woody Woody allen movie all right (laughs) because you don't have to deal with the grossness of woody allen Mm -hmm. and you can just look at you know people doing the same fucking thing except for it's nancy myers and i don't think she's yeah and just Got There's a bunch issues. of subplots like they threw in, bunch of cute little subplots, and it's like really doesn't need to be there. John Krasinski doesn't need to be in there as like a son-in-law. I mean, he's like, kind of cute, the, but like he's adorable, of course. But that's yeah, the like, worst uh, part. Actually, the worst part to me is the children. So she has these three adult yes. children who are the biggest fucking babies in the mm-hmm. world. Mm-hmm. Like I wanted to. They're all like. Oh, then they find out that their parents were like sleeping together after being divorced for 10 years. They're like, oh, what does this mean for our family? It's like, guys, everyone's an adult here. You need to go live your life, okay? And I say that as someone who's like very close to my parents. Are they better or worse adult children than the birdcage kids? Uh, They're worse. They're up there as the worst. I don't yeah, think they're we... pretty bad. No, no. These kids are definitely worse. And there's definitely more of them, worse. so yeah. it's got to be worse. Yeah. And situation. they're just like, oh, what are we going to do? Our parents are falling in love again. Like, we just got over the divorce. Come on, guys. <laughs> like, guys. Grow up guys. and get your own sex lives. How about? This divorce is so traumatizing when I had to take a taxi two blocks down from to see my parents in their <sighs> giant New York bar. I just and... could not with that part. But yeah, I yeah. wish it was and just... just uh... I just and then wish- on top of everything else, like, I do like the idea of, you know, yeah, people growing and changing and would they want to get back together or would that just be making the same mistakes? But then they give Alec Baldwin is married to Lake Bell and they stack the deck so hard oh, for us I to know. hate her. I know. They make this whole thing about like, oh, well, you know, he's the one that she cheated on Meryl Streep with. And also then she went and got pregnant by some other guy and he's raising this obnoxious child that's not even his. And I'm like... This is weird, guys. Yeah. <laughs> why are you why are you trying to make us hate her? Isn't exactly. it more interesting if we don't hate her? Then it's more of a quandary. It's more complicated. Yes. Make it more complicated. That, yeah. Stop naming sequels. <laughs> it's <laughs> more complicated. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. 
this movie, I rewatched it. I was kind of dreading rewatching it because I know how I felt when I watched it the first time, and I still feel the same way. Uh, I kind of love it because it's so pretty to look at and everyone, it's so low stakes. But on the other hand, I fucking oh, hate yeah. it because I hate everyone. Everyone in this movie besides Steve Martin is a monster. <laughs> yeah. Steve Martin's character deserves better. Yeah, he does. He deserves to hook up with someone very nice. And also, I just want to eat all of those baked goods that well, she has. Yeah. There's mm. a lot of food porn. Yeah, so much. Kitchen porn, food porn. Steve Martin a lot of sweaters. Porn. Also, yeah. Alec Baldwin is, I do have to say. He's a bear. He is so. And I'm kind of here I'm for I'm kind it. of here for it. <laughs> He's like walking around in his boxers. And I'm like, okay, okay. All Hello, right, bear daddy. <laughs> yeah, I love it. He acknowledges he's fat now. Yeah, he's like, just patting his stomach. Saying, like, yeah, seductively. I'm, I'm fat now, but check it out, baby. <laughs> More made of love. Him, mm, yeah. him eating that croque monsieur in the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> just was like, okay, I'm here for it. I, I knew I had to take a backseat to whatever was happening. <laughs> when Alec, fat Alec Baldwin eats the croque monsieur, <laughs> that's the movie hits the, hits a ten. Uh, uh, yeah, that well, something part, to look forward to, fellas. Yeah, that part is great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hey, it's it's all about the confidence. It's true. It's not about no, your body shape. It's, it's your confidence. It's about it's aging true. gracefully. That, I think. Yeah, but he hasn't. <laughs> it's true. There comes an age where you can't. Like, uh, yeah. I think not getting into a fight every single weekend is probably a good way to age gracefully. Okay. <laughs> he seems to not be able to handle that. All right. Is this hmm. real Alec Baldwin? Yeah, I feel like okay. he's always getting in a fight with someone. The paparazzo. Yeah. <laughs> it's different. Calm down. And bro. I want to talk as much about this as possible because I hate the next movie. Okay. I uh, do not enjoy the next movie either, but I why I hate it. Why do we hate it? Then? Because I, I think it I wanted to like it. Yeah. And it's they chose the wrong director. And the BBC yeah. the BBC simultaneously was doing something modern and interesting right. with the exact same character. Right. Yep. And, and they didn't, ate their lunch. And they didn't want any money, and this movie wanted to R. Fourteen dollars, yeah, and that would be Guy Ritchie's. Guy Ritchie's. I love Mark Strong. I love Rachel McAdams. Love Jude Law. Love Robert Downey Jr. I hate two thousand nine Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> You're free this evening. Absolutely. Dinner, wonderful. The Royale, my favorite. Wear a jacket. You wear a jacket. Sherlock Holmes. You underestimate the gravity of coming events. Death is only the beginning. His power grows daily. There isn't any time to risk that. Sherlock Holmes. It's an ugly action Holmes. Yeah, action Holmes. It's, yeah. it's such an ugly film it's until so until ugly. it tries not to be. But it's like it's so CG and garish mm-hmm. and dumb. Mm-hmm. Garish is and the perfect way it to put it. Sucks and like and like, but it is. You can't mention this without inter- like mentioning the Benedict Cumberbatch, BBC Stephen Moffat, a uh, Sherlock mm-hmm. that comes out because they mm-hmm. they basically release three great Sherlock movies every three years, mm-hmm. and this this is one <laughs> bad Sherlock movie every three years, and mm-hmm. and and the idea that like Sherlock in that version is exactly like he's written in the book, updated and highly unlikable. Mm-hmm. Sherlock tries mm-hmm. to maintain being likable here. 
And then Guy Ritchie tries to do some like weirdo fucking Terminator horse shit when he fights. No, ah. it's supposed to be like Matrix bullet. It, oh yeah, fucking Style. bullet time. Yeah, bullet time. And, and like in the weird shit the Stephen Moffat version does turns out to work better and yeah. like it is way less embarrassing. And this, well, at the beginning, at the no, last I, couple seasons of, the, I think we will all adopt the text the hovering text at some point we don't need to see everyone's phone to know they're getting a text oh no, no that's but you fine. might want to see their text too if you saw the the last couple of series of the Stephen moffat sherlock holmes i know yeah. i think it, it may have jumped the shark but hey it has Yikes. it has double nine, it has nine great movies yeah nine no no, no, no. that's true and, and yeah. i'm not shitting the only, on the only the thing, thing this might have jared harris is a pretty good fucking moriarty that that, that yeah that uh, yeah and the second one I that's mean, great casting and then he is woefully underused uh-huh there there also, is allegedly a third one coming because yeah. there was please a no. sequel please no uh, allegedly there is one coming in 2021 and the interesting thing is it's directed by dexter fletcher mm-hmm. who i don't know if you know that name but he was soap in lock stock and two smoking barrels hmm. really directed by guy ritchie yeah that guy uh but still, I don't know. But still, no. I don't know. There's, there's nothing fascinating. Uh, there's nothing interesting. There's not very. There's nothing interesting about this character in its own time period that you can do for a tentpole movie. Mm-hmm. You could do that on I, television. Uh, sure, I, I think you can. You can do him in so. his time period, and you ha- there. They have a billion times, but the, to try to me- merge the actiony part with it, it was just awkward. didn't. And it's stupid, me. and I don't like it. And uh, and, yeah. and most people. And I actually like the bullet time scenes. I I'm, I'm rare mm. in that I actually like the bullet time fist fight scene. I, I I understand because it's the only time they, it's the only interesting thing they brought to the Sherlock story, in my opinion, was that yeah. mm. only thing. Okay, yeah. I agree. Yeah. yeah. Other than the performance, which is Robert Downey Jr., and you're gonna love it if you love him. And Our that's DJing fine. around. But I I still think it's fascinating that like. At, Ten years ago, the BBC version, like, no, he's so good, he's unlikable. Yeah, that's what that's what that's why this should resonate with people. Mm-hmm. They think I'm unlikable because I'm a genius. No, that's just Sherlock. Your powers of deduction, and by the way, your powers of deduction. Don't look up deduction because he's not doing that. Mm. He's doing induction no. mm-hmm. and never did that research. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think this, these movies are are, yeah. are some of the worst, uh, the mo- the biggest squandering of a great character. I, yeah, I guess. But they did well. Mm-hmm. They've always done well. I rewatched oh, yeah. h- half of this mm-hmm. and then I just got bored and walked away. It's awful. Um, it's dull to look but, at. And, but it's one of those ones that I, I personally couldn't put my finger on why don't I like this? I just know I don't. Well, that's the only reason I mentioned it's the, B- just not good. the BBC one. Because yeah. it's like, if like there was an Iron Man cartoon on at the same time Robert Downey Jr.'s Iron Man came out, why wouldn't I talk about it in the same breath? And yeah. like, the things it did better. I, I don't, I know that's I, I not fair. I don't think it's just bad by comparison. Well, I think, I think I it's think, just bad. I think a majority of Guy Ritchie mm. movies are bad. And he's made two of my favorite movies ever. Yeah. Uh, it, it, but <laughs> yeah. He also huh. made Aladdin, which I think culturally should have him sentenced to death. Who saw Aladdin <laughs> in, on this podcast? <laughs> <Yeah>. Me. <laughs> I'm did. the only one on talking on this podcast that's seen Aladdin. You did, but it's inexcusable that it happened, and I, I wish they would have it's asked fine. me so I could say no. It was no. fine. No! <laughs> I'm glad you have such strong opinions no, about something no, you don't know about. No. I yeah. did it last week. People people seem to hate it. <laughs> no, it went over great. <laughs> It went over like a cloud city in the sky. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, It is interesting to see that I was trying to remember, wait, which came first? Sherlock Holmes movie, Sherlock TV. Sherlock TV is next year. Well, for us or for England? 
Good, because I was a little for, worried that I, I missed for, it. On TV. Yeah, for, for everybody. For, okay. Well, for the Brits first. Yeah. And then for us later in 2010. And it's interesting to think, like, that. what did they think when this movie came out? Because mm. they must have been, like, working on it they to think, like, like oh, shit, we're, we, we got problems. This movie made a ton of movie, money. Are they thinking, like, nah, fuck it, because we're doing something new? Well, and also... And it's, it's nice that they didn't, like, pull their funding or anything. They, yeah. they still got to go ahead with the Benedict Cumberbatch one, and it's so much better. I think in a year or two, we'll also have, um, in America, Elementary, which was a yeah. primetime television program for a while with Johnny Lee Miller Sick and boy. Lucy Liu. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And that actually got pretty good reviews. And I think I watched the first season of it. I don't remember too much, but it means very much a procedural. But If it wasn't for Maria Menounos in front of movie theaters, I would not have seen a frame <laughs> of <laughs> elementary ever. Yeah. Well, you know. I, I, I know Diana's right. Like that, that they. I saw this in the theater the, mm-hmm. the week it came out, and uh, mm-hmm. uh, and then I saw the TV show. But it was so close that it's like you should never do that yeah. again. Never make whatever movie that was again, because like this is a way better. And this didn't cost me anything. <laughs> this was mm-hmm. just free, and it was so good. And, and, and like, it and, gave us the a far better Moriarty, which is Hot Priest. Yes, and uh, I'm, yeah. I, I can never forget it because like I told my dad like uh, you should watch you and mom should watch Sherlock on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Uh, really? Is it an update? And, and I just remember he like texted me like three days later, and he's like, "That shit was superb." And like, no one mm. said superb to me in a long time. That's great. It was <laughs> I, it I was really mind blowing. Like, we just were blown away by. Yeah, it. the first season of Sherlock is yeah. astonishing, yeah. and it's it's really really yeah. good. And the movie yeah. isn't. It's exactly what you think it was going to be—a Guy Ritchie movie. Well, I get maybe not as much. Because there's not a lot of slow motion Mm -hmm. in Guy Ritchie. Guy Ritchie's Mm -hmm. a very visual filmmaker, and I think that this doesn't lend to his strengths because it it doesn't move very much in the beginning. It's it's Mm -hmm. it's it's leaning mostly on Robert Downey Jr.'s performance, Mm -hmm. which does show him as an amazing human being. But I knew that before Iron Man, and congratulations, world! Now you know. But uh, it wasn't enough to make this worth doing more than once. Mm -hmm. And the sequel is even worse. And oh, the sequel is terrible. Yeah, I, I, I I'm. Incredibly disappointed by this. Not recommended. Also on no. TV, nothing. Nothing. There, there take that. You um, get nothing. You get nothing. Um, <laughs> uh, but on the video game front, something did come out. Mm-hmm. And I shit all over it on the video game show we've already recorded. Mm-hmm. Uh, where we cover both November December games. It was Guitar Hero Van Halen. Uh-huh. Right. Uh-huh. And I said... <laughs> like why why do that and then matt was sort of like matt has like two years on me that's it van halen is part of his world not mine Mm. and uh Mm -hmm. van halen also matt plays guitar right so he can appreciate he said as a guitar player as a guitar player van guitar hero van halen should have said to the world this is the ultimate guitar game because if you wanted to play guitar since 1982 you wanted to play like eddie van halen Uh. And nobody read it that way. Hmm. It was just like old band. <laughs> but his perspective is totally different. And uh, you should listen to that. Patreon.com slash laser time is where you can hear that extra show that I just gave away part of the drama. That's a little hint. We plug some stuff here. Video Game Apocalypse is also the weekly show, video game show we have. Uh, those guys help us out talking about the 30 2010 games. It's been fascinating because both Michael and I worked in the game industry, but Matt has worked on so many of these games that we're talking about. Uh, you get some weird insights into what it was like uh, to be in that world in addition to just eating the thing. You can hear what the chefs and the writers 
thought about the, mm. the games. Diana, where can people find you? They can find me on the Twitter at LessonAnerd, L-E-C-I-N-E-N-E-R-D. And I love that someone misheard me that I said L.A. City Nerd <laughs> and tagged them in something about it. And now I follow L.A. City Nerd because that was so cool. They're like L.A. City Nerd and LessonAnerd. We're bros now. Yeah. I bet his, twi- I bet his or her Twitter is great. Uh, it's pretty good. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can also follow the show at 302010podcast, 302010podcast. We tease what's coming up as we, we hit the millennium mm. next week. Oof. Or should I say willennium? Ooh. Ha ha. Ha 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 ha. I shouldn't. No one should. Oh, with sorry. That, sorry, I'm nuzzling my cat's head. With um, that, we should yeah, talk about the- who was born and who died. Who died? Wow. Diana. We have a lot of deaths a that are lot. all over the fucking map. So mm-hmm. let me start in 1989. Uh, we lost Samuel Beckett, who is 83. The uh, playwright wrote uh, Waiting for Godot, correct? Yes. Correct. That correct. sounds right. Yep. Yeah, I'm um, no one to ask. <laughs> yeah, he, he died an old man. Another old man who died, but not very comfortably, was Nikolai Ceausescu, who was 71. I thought about putting this in news. But I'm going to put it here. Nikolai Ceausescu died, and so did his wife, by firing squad. After they were captured, was they fled because he used to be the dictator of Romania. Oh, in '89, someone uh, someone died in 1989 from firing squad that wasn't on. You can't do that on television. Wow, that's correct. <laughs> so yeah, he was he was the the dictator of Romania. We, obviously, we have all this like anti. Soviet pro-freedom stuff going on in these different countries uh, in the Eastern Bloc. There was a protest there, which he ordered soldiers to open fire on. So the protesters got more angry and more worse. They seriously like chased him. He had to like jump in a helicopter and fly away. And then then they caught up with him and he couldn't get to the helicopter. They captured him. They gave him a quick show trial and they executed him and his wife. Wow. Fuck that guy. Ceausescu sucked. Yeah. Thank God they took his wife out too. (laughs) Teach other dictators. she was... What? Part of it, because they were, like, super corrupt. Mm. Because, you know, oh, all, all things, everyone's equal. We're all socialist. What do you mean, why do I have a Swiss bank account? <laughs> boop, boop, boop. Mm. All right. That's just 1989. Very exciting. 1999. We lost Curtis Horrible. Mayfield, who was only 57. Horrible. Mm. I love Curtis Mayfield. I, I, I mean, I, obviously, Superfly soundtrack. I would I would say your homework assignment this week, thirty twenty tenors, is to find a bad Curtis Mayfield song. I dare you. Good luck. Uh, most everything you've heard in hip hop over the last thirty years contains a Curtis Mayfield sample somewhere. It's delicious. Seriously. And uh, Hell Below is one of the best angry songs I've ever heard. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. Listen to the long. Yeah. Listen to the seven minute version of it. Hear Nixon called out while he's in office. It's wonderful. He might <laughs> Curtis Mayfield might be one of his, like in my top ten favorite musicians. Like I really like Curtis Mayfield for real. Yeah, he's he's amazing. Yeah. He was amazing, and I'm waiting for that movie. Someone should make a, a biopic on More him real. because he he was he was a, a set of amplifiers fell on him and put him in a wheelchair for the rest of his life. Wow, and it didn't stop him. Yeah. Yeah, it didn't until it, fucking diabetes got him at fifty-seven. It didn't stop him from sending Chris a takedown notice on MySpace when he just fucking, dude. I just put the song on my page. I didn't upload it. I sorry. Nah. That's why I should be in the movie. I got a weird takedown. I got a weird threatening letter from the Curtis Mayfield people for <laughs> for putting uh, move on up. Why I didn't put this on here. I didn't know this was a fake Curtis Mayfield account. Don't blame me. Anyway, sorry. It's dumb, <laughs> but love Curtis Mayfield. All right. And then in 2009, 
Uh, we'll start with the old guy first. Arnold Stang died at 91. If you don't know that name, you will recognize his voice so fast because he did a ton, ton of cartoon voices. He sounds like uh, like a cartoon turtle, and he kind of looks like one too, honestly. Mm. Um, he was he was hilarious and adorable. And then the worst one is we lost Brittany Murphy. She was only 32. Oh. And there's, there's there's conspiracies around that because her husband like went like a few months later, didn't yeah. he? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, it seemed like she had some drug issues, but it was like technically pneumonia that got her. She like passed out in a shower, mm-hmm. and the whole thing is just kind of dodgy and tragic. And she was so underrated, She's and so I feel funny. like a dick that I underrated her. Mm-hmm. She's so fu- like I didn't know she was Luann on King of the Hill for the longest time. Yeah, which is one of the funniest yeah. performances ever like <laughs> in terms of a voice actor she's so good on clueless yeah. she just nails oh that God. character so well okay. <laughs> that's okay. a big loss and i mean i feel like she's definitely one of those people we would have seen develop into better and better as time went on well yeah oh my god have you guys seen eight mile yeah, yeah. she's amazing in eight mile mm-hmm. yeah she would have had an oscar by now if she were alive mm-hmm. that's what i think anyway so, for so that with, is super depressing. That out of the way, who was Bubba born for the Bubba birthday quiz? Oh, birthday is a doodly doo, a ding dong doodly doodly ding dong doo. Oh, we got a good one. Born December twenty first, nineteen forty eight. So happy seventy first birthday to this guy. He was born in Washington D.C. and raised by a single mom in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Uh, he played French horn all through high school and had a stutter. Hmm. He attended Morehouse as a marine biology major and uh, was an usher at MLK Jr.'s funeral. Hmm. Samuel L. Jackson. No. It is. What? <laughs> How? How did she do oh, it? I am so good. I can't. Like, I'm not sitting here laughing anymore. Fuck. What? Oh. Sam Jackson was at Huh? He was in one of the ushers at MLK's funeral. They were because um, mm-hmm. he went to Morehouse, which is a historically black college, and they recruited a lot of folks. But I should mention, not long after that, he held the Morehouse board, including MLK Senior hostage, demanding changes to curriculum, and was convicted of a second degree felony for it. Wow! What is he not- and now we just Capital One commercial. Oh. Sam, what the fuck, man? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> you want some more? No, yes. because. I have some fun things. So he got suspended from school. He got involved in radical black politics and his mom convinced him to go back to Morehouse and finish his degree. So he switches major to acting and his first role is in a movie called Together for Days, a.k.a. Black Cream in 1973. Wow. And then uh, jump to Coming to America. Then Coming to America is kind of his first like notable thing. But Mm. since then, since 1973, 189 IMDb credits. And he is the highest grossing actor of all time. Wow. He has grossed worldwide $13.3 billion. And this is because his major involvement in Star Wars and Marvel, right? Star Wars and Marvel Mm -hmm. is a big part of it, but there's lots and lots of other shit out there, too. Man, there's like six movies that make over a billion dollars, and he's in all of them. Yeah. (laughs) Practically, yeah. I mean, the fact that he's in every Marvel movie, Mm -hmm. that is a big factor. But just in the U.S., I did the math. Just in the U.S., he's made $5.76 billion U.S. So every man, woman, and child in America has given him $17. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Out of all of his movies, every one of us 
ponied up seventeen dollars wow. to see Samuel L. Jackson in a movie. I really love Formula Fifty One. I thought it was that good. I, I actually think it's pretty funny. Yeah, <laughs> but that's the thing. It's like, well, he's starred in a ton of movies. I mean, indie movies and big budget movies, action movies, and but mostly supporting roles. But he's racked those bad boys up. Thirteen billion dollars worth. Thirteen wow. billion, motherfucker. Wow, and he's wow. seventy-one. Oh, I think people on. forget how old he is. I didn't. I didn't. I just. I'm just aware he doesn't crack until he shaves his goatee. I'm like, oh, you're old as shit. <laughs> old as shit. Yeah. Every time he shaves his also, facial hair. He's, also, he's been with his wife for forty years. Really? Get on him. That's a nice story. Yeah. yeah. I know it's the fortieth anniversary this year. So, congrats. Good for oh! you. Diane, did you put down we close out with Move On Up? What a wonderful jam. Great. Fuck yeah. yeah. Because anytime I need to get hyped or I want to celebrate, I put on Move On Up by Curtis Mayfield and I dance around like Ed Goddamn Grimley. <laughs> I love this song and it makes me dance like an idiot and I I want to share with the world. I know I know Kanye sampled it, but my favorite I because I as I'm already a Curtis Mayfield lover, I was only a little late to a show, seeing something very important to me, but I got a drink first, and I bought some little merchandise, and I made it in, and they like slammed the doors behind me, and the lights went out, and this song came up to see Conan O'Brien live after he was oh. kicked off the Tonight Show, <laughs> and then all of a sudden, Move On Up comes up, and I'm just like practically crying in the aisles holding popcorn and beer, and my girlfriend had to push my back. Oh, such a good song. Uh, and then Conan O'Brien ran out with a guitar in the audience, and it was, it was so good, but this song is great. Think of my memory with this song as we close ourselves out and listen to Curtis Mayfield, and maybe the Black Exploitation episode of Laser Time, uh, and maybe where we talk about Dolomite and Parasite on bonus time. And, uh, and because those are two of our favorite movies of the year, or my favorite movies of the year uh, so far. The Ite Night is brought to you by Sarah Bear. Um, yes. <laughs> don't, don't huff and puff just because we were drinkle. Uh, and you're you're mildly ashamed of it. It's going to go up eventually. <laughs> you're excited. I don't do that anymore. I was just very excited. I'm an adult. Um, <laughs> but it was fun. We were having a good time. Yeah. Thank you to T.L. Foster. You can also hear on Video Game Apocalypse's Game of the Year Awards, which are uh, going to be yeah. happening over the break and are, trust me, painstakingly prepared and very annoying for me personally. So <laughs> please, I assure you, we put a lot of, like Michael and Matt put a ton of effort into that where we talk about our favorite games yeah. of the year. Uh, make sure to listen to that yeah, if you believe give a fuck me, about games. My house kind of looks like the, uh, you know, Charlie from Always Sunny board with the big conspiracy <laughs> and the yarn. Yeah. It's almost that around here, but for the video games of the year. Michael has a wow. cigarette dangling in his mouth, pointing at a bunch of yarn. <laughs> um. <laughs> he keeps writing equations on the windows frantically. <laughs> Laser time will, balance the votes. We'll be all new with some of the best episodes you have ever heard. So there's never been a, uh, a, t- a better time to subscribe to patreon.com slash laser time to hear our extra shit and uh, to help support what you like. It's the holidays. Who knows? Maybe give us a little bit of a tip uh, every, every month for making this stuff for you. We do appreciate our patrons. We really do. And with that, take us out, Curtis. Just move on up.